This is Comic Shenanigans Episode 32, Top 5 Favorite Forgotten Characters. Welcome back to the show. This is Comic Shenanigans. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. i got a special guest with me today, and his name is... Bennett Riley. Uh, or ben, if you prefer. And I do, because that makes you Spider-Man. So, hell yes. Or Scarlet Spider, as the case may be. Once, back in the day. Yes. Uh, so, this is the first time we've had you on the podcast. Um, so, for those at home, um, so you're also on, on the Realms? Yes. Uh, my username on the, on the HC Realms website is Gargan is Scorpion, which has a story behind it if you'd like to hear it sometime. Uh, okay, and and what do you do? You have a lot of well, activities. In the yeah, realms. I spend a lot of time on the realms. Um, my primary uh, concern there is in the play-by-post forum. I was started out as a player and have not that long ago become the editor of the Marvel side of a group called the RPSC, which I thought originally stood for Role Playing Social Club, but it actually stands for Role Playing Strategy Campaign. Someone corrected me. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. I like Social Club better. I think that makes more... Because we, we generally just chat and hang out, too, when we're not playing yeah. in the midst of a game. Okay. And to those who haven't heard about what that is, the idea is if you've ever been playing Heroclix and thought that this would be fun to expand into like a more Dungeons & Dragons-style role-playing game where the characters upgrade from rookie to experience to veteran and, and pick up equipment and things like that... That was the the original idea behind it, and what it's become is sort of a, a combination of hero clicks and amateur fiction. So you write you write up a little introduction of of the issue for like as if it was a comic book adventure for your team, mm-hmm. and then when you hit that point in the story where the superheroes have met their nemesis and they're about to break out into a brawl, yep. that's when the hero clicks game takes over. And depending on how good of a player you are and how well the dice are treating you, that'll decide which direction the story takes. So either you beat up Doctor Doom and save the day, or or he captures Invisible Woman and runs off with her, and then the next issue has got to be the consequences mm-hmm. of that. And uh, generally speaking, you know, the heroes still win, yeah. but we've had some upsets from time to time when the dice just don't go your way, and there have been, yeah... Some a surprising turn of uh, plot twists that uh, developed that way. Okay, well that's cool. So people should go check that out if you haven't already. Uh, now we've known each other, I guess, ten years now. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it yeah. snuck up on us a whole decade. So we first met in university. Yeah, and we were, I guess, uh, adjoining roommates, not full roommates. Yeah, but... I get the impression that the staff paired us up because we both put a like of comic books in yeah. our student applications. Thank good, thank goodness. I mean, I, I actually I would not have become. Nearly as versed, uh, well versed in, in DC comics, if it wasn't for you, actually, because um, I was a Marvel—not a Marvel zombie per se—but I was pretty heavy into Marvel. And then you were, and I remember that you were actually the first person to give me Watchmen. Hmm. Um, so that was like, you know, uh, it wasn't a huge moment for me because I wasn't—I'm not as huge a fan of, of Watchmen as a lot of people are. But it was definitely my first major exposure to to uh, Alan Moore. Um, so that was definitely your doing. Hmm. And you uh, gave me Earth X in exchange. I don't know. So I kind of gave you the raw end of that deal, eh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. I, I mean, really liked Earth X at the time, and I read it now. I'm like, yeah, you were right. There's a lot of talking, and it's just X fifty one and you watch to the Watcher just going on and on, mm-hmm. kind of like me right now. Well, it, it would appeal to someone like you who is just a you love yeah. 
the to be a walking encyclopedia of Marvel history and stuff. This is true. So. I'm a continuity whore. Uh, I picked up uh, Mar- uh, the complete Ben Riley Epic Volume Six, and it has the Osborne Journal in it, which is one of my favorite comics of all time. I got it when I was 13 years old, and I love continuity. And all it was about was explaining how the Clone Saga made sense in terms of Norman Osborn coming back. And for someone who loves continuity to a ridiculous degree, it was just it was like it was like cat. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine I'm, I was also the one who got you first exposed to horror comics. Yeah, actually, incidentally, that was actually my dad. Oh, really? Yeah, I, he has some old like EC and Gold Key comics that were from like the original Boris Karloff uh, oh. horror comics. Like in in the more modern sense, you are correct. But in terms of like, yeah, there's a bit of a, a gap between that and the Aliens and Predator and Terminator and yes, the Thing and what else was I showing you? Uh, uh, well, Robo, Robocop. Well, yeah, I don't know that that's really horror. That was it's not just, horror, no. That's just because it was a crossover. Yes, that's right. Yeah, but um, yeah, I guess I'd never really read anything from that another kind of world. Stuff. I had some zombie comics and some Lovecraft Cthulhu comics that I showed you too. Okay. At the time, my my collection's grown a bit since then, but I guess that's what you would have seen back in first year of university when we yeah, were, and I I didn't know anything about when Cthulhu. we were half roommates. Yeah, yes. you didn't know anything about Cthulhu. No, I never really uh, knew anything about it. If you had, if you had written it out on a piece of paper, I would not know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Which I think is not well. That's yeah. Even most people wouldn't. I guess so. I guess it's really. It's, but it's my exposure to you that I even know that word. Yeah. And now I know more about it. And the whole and like the Actually, first used you know, the word Lovecraft. I bet of all the people who are reading this right now or listening to this podcast right now, uh, a few of them are probably hearing us talk and thinking that's not how you pronounce Cthulhu. Yeah. Because it's okay. kind of an ongoing debate even amongst fans. Okay. People try to get really specific and be like Cthulhu. Or something like that. <laughs> and imagine how it would sound coming out of a tentacled mouth. Okay. Um, and other people are just like, uh, they they take the dumbed-down Ghostbusters version, and it's like... Oh. Or it even, he even made a cameo in a Justice League episode. Okay, And they yeah. pronounced it Ikthulu. Or, oh, yeah. Maybe that's because they didn't want to step on any toes in maybe, terms yeah. of copyright, but... Well, I get, there are a lot of things in comics like that, though. There's like Dark Seed or Dark Side, or... Ra's al Ghul or Ra's al Ghul? Like, which, which were you for both of those? Uh, I think Ra's is supposed to be correct. Uh, but but I mean, growing creator. up, which one? I would have said Ra's. Yeah, think, me too. Or Ra's? No, not that... Ra's, Ra's. Okay. There's three, I guess. Ra's, Ra's, and Ra's. Ra's is correct. I would never have thought that on my own. Hmm. Uh, Dark Side, that's what I would have thought. But some people call it Dark Seed. I used to pronounce it Dark Seed because okay. that... I would have thought if it was Dark Side, it would have been written S-I-D-E. Hmm. And it wasn't. It was no, Dark it wasn't. Seed. Seed. <laughs> dark Seed. I can't think of any others off the top of my head, though, that are like that. Oh, off the top of your head, maybe not, but no. I'm sure they're out there. So that, so that's, we, we first met ten years ago, so we were both really big into comics. You actually are the reason why I started playing Heroclix, which has influenced a few people that I knew. Um, and Leon, one of my best friends, he's heavy into the game, and that's, again, would never have happened without your influence. So, mm. I mean, I've actually, you've cost me a lot of money, my friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you. to be fair, you started collecting before I did. On Heroclix? Yeah, you co- were collecting a couple of years during a period of time when I was only buying them as gifts for my girlfriend at the time. Was that true? I didn't yes, actually realize that was... After we broke up, uh, about a year later, she said she was getting rid of them. Okay. And asked me if I wanted to buy them off or not. And you and I were playing with just your collection at the time. Oh. So I figured, yeah... I, I'm enjoying this game a lot, and so you know, I didn't know that. I didn't... I'll buy back the gifts that I gave my girlfriend. <laughs> it's better than stealing them back, because um, Gord, our it's roommate, it's not better for my wallet. No, but uh, uh, Gord, one of our roommates, he, had, him, and his girlfriend had bought a bunch, 
and then they broke up and she wanted them back and there was a couple that we just kind of put in my pocket it was a custody battle for hero clicks basically yeah and she didn't she was never going to play again we knew that and she was coming over and i knew and i didn't have any time to think about it i just kind of i remember i grabbed magog and casey superman and put them in my pocket my shirt pocket and just walked out of the room correct me if i'm wrong but my memory is that gord had a summer job working for the postal service let's not get into that oh there are there the are dubious ways origin of those pieces. of the Casey Superman. Yes, yeah, there was a dubious origin for that, which I'd rather not discuss on the okay. air. But yeah, no, that's so we we do have a long history with uh, Hero Clicks and comics together. Mm-hmm. Um, so but, we should maybe get to the topic. Yeah, of course. Uh, we're trying to make this show a little bit more formalized, I guess, and have a dedicated topic for conversation for yep. today. Yeah, today's is uh, top five favorite forgotten characters. Do you want to lead us off and kind of explain well, what we're yeah, looking for? Well, yeah, we're trying to we were trying to come up with the specific rules for who was a, a legal choice for our, our list here, and it, the genesis of this is that we're we've both been reading comics long en- enough to see characters come and go, and the longer that you're a comic book fan, the more you you get used to seeing the iconic characters remain un- fixed and unchanging. You know, Spider Man's always going to be Spider Man. Peter Parker, he's always going to have crappy luck. He's yes, a little, he he's a little bit clever, and that helps him out. But he's never going to actually get anywhere with his powers. And the same can be said of Batman's never going to get any resolution about his parents. Uh, Superman, you know, he might try an electric blue look for a little while, but it won't. It's just a matter of time before he goes back to being good old Clark Kent, bulletproof, leaping yeah. over buildings. He right? may try a mullet, but that will go away eventually. Yeah. So. Um, as these revelation, revolutions of characters happen and they go through these changes and phases, you'll also see characters introduced in the, as supporting cast or secondary characters. And they'll last for a while, depending on popularity. They might last an issue or they might get be lucky enough to get their own spin-off series for a while. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, they rarely you know, continue on into the modern age. They, they'll always have some kind of a shelf life. Yeah, and when their popularity wanes, nobody's bringing them back the way that you would get with Superman or Captain Marvel or yeah. someone or Captain America. And they might show up again in the background, but again, yeah, not with a lot of respect generally. Yeah, you know. And unfortunately, the eventual fate that meets a lot of these characters is that when they get brought into the background a couple of times, and the company decides that they've outlived their usefulness, they get put on some sort of a death list. And it just means that the next time Superboy Prime or <laughs> or somebody is rampaging through the entire universe in a big crossover event, mm-hmm. who's going to be in the background getting their limbs ripped off? It's those old favorites that you remember collecting every issue of, and the company just doesn't give a shit about anymore. Are you saying that Red Star was someone's favorite? At some point. And Panther? Actually, you know... Uh, I'll give a shout out to my friend Jack of Hearts from the realms. I know he's a big Titans fan, okay, and I bet he uh, enjoys both Red Star and Panther. Okay, and uh, I think he was the one who told me that Red Star was originally named Starfire. Really? Before Starfire, Coriander yeah. uh, showed up. Yeah, Red Star oh. was the original Starfire. Well, I did not know that. And he had to give up the name because he probably couldn't wear a bikini as well as she could. Probably not. I hope not. <laughs> uh, actually, before we get into our list, do you have any honorable mentions or things that didn't quite make the list? Because um, I had a few. I had a few originally, but then they all got lumped together into my Legion entry. Okay. So, 
No, no, I'm no? good. Okay. Uh, just a quick honorable mentions. One was, uh, and I was surprised he didn't make it to my list, but I realized I don't like him as much as I think I do. I just like that he was kind of quickly around and we didn't know anything about him. He was kind of neat. Sentry uh, from uh, Forceworks. He made it into the Iron Man animated series. Oh, right. Because I mentioned before the podcast that I was, I was tantalizing Ben with some of my choices. I'm like, this guy made it into other media, but then disappeared. And he made an appearance about a year and a half ago in an annual, uh, but then he was basically just part of a team of uh, of Revengers with Right, Wonder Man. I saw that. He was in... And he didn't really do anything or have any personality. He was just basically a thug on Wonder Man's team. He didn't really say much, and he didn't explain where he's been. He disappeared into his this weird dimension uh, about, uh, I guess it was around 94 or 95, so it's been like 17 years since this guy showed up. And he only ever showed up in Force Works and any uh, tie-ins with War Machine and Iron Man, and then he was gone. Mm. Never heard from again. Most people won't even care or be like, you mean Century as in Bob Reynolds? I'm like, no, no, Century as in like a year. You know, that's actually how you spell it out. You mean a hundred years. A hundred years, sorry, yeah. But yeah, yeah and he's not around. Uh, so I like him a little. I, he didn't make the list because I realized I don't like him more than some Yeah, I'm thinking lists. you better have five better picks there than, than, than impress me. Yeah, because I, I like Is that him. impressive? Yeah, he okay. should have been on the list. Um, one, uh, well, we kind of discussed that it didn't quite fit, so we took it off, but, uh, I always liked the cast of A Next, uh, back in the MC2 universe, they didn't make my list, uh, it was basically, I, my favorite character there was, um, Thunderstrike, who was, uh, the original Thunderstrike son, I don't know why, I just really liked him, he had the long okay, hair. Okay, I'm, I'm not as familiar with A Next as you are. Okay. I don't, I think I've just kind of thrown through an issue or two. I know J2, because yeah. he was the headline stealer. Yes, he was. He had his own book. Yeah, so uh, it's you know it'd be hard to miss him. Yeah, uh, he's a big silvery target there. Yep. Um, but so explain to me why you like this Thunderstrike in particular because on the surface, sounds like nothing changed. Sounds like the original Thunderstrike for the most part. He didn't actually have a, a mace. Like the power was just in him. Oh. Like so he had kind of become one with the this, the power. So he didn't have to like he would he would strike he could strike the ground and transform into his human form. Uh, otherwise, he would just be, you know, Thunderstrike. He could have limited kind of flight at the beginning. He was really just Thunderstrike, but the the Thunderstrike originally was so '90s in the way they wrote him, mm. with like especially with like the goatee and the like the ripped the, the leather jacket with no arms. Like there's there was not a lot of thought. Yeah, he looked of, a bit like a biker. He was yeah he had the he was biker Thor basically with the, with the mace, and so they never really developed him that far beyond that. Whereas his son had a lot more father issues of you know his dad was gone. He was trying to live up to an ideal. Um, that was impossible. In his world, Thor wasn't even around when he became Thunderstrike. I don't know why. I just I remember really liking his adventures, how he interacted with the rest of the team. Did he? Do you have any interaction with the Asgardian cast at all? Briefly, actually. He had he ever been to Asgard? Or that, like the that? the issue the series actually started with him being captured and brought to uh, like the Rock Trolls Kingdom. Oh, so okay. and so there was, and then he did meet Thor at some point during that run. Uh, I think eventually. And what I remember really liking is that he met an alternate reality version of his father who'd been kind of villainous, but they were able to, I guess, find the good in each other, and he left his team for a while to be with his father. And so he, of the group, he was always the most interesting to me. Huh. Uh, There's also Stinger, the daughter of Wasp and um, uh, Ant-Man. Uh, sorry, no, I, I'm wrong. Sorry, it was actually Cassie who became Stature in Young Avengers. Mm-hmm. In A-Next, she was actually a Stinger, and she was basically a combination of Wasp and uh, Ant-Man. 
Huh, and okay. she, so she had little like little wings, and she flew, and she had the, she basically was wasp. That but would a cooler be. Wasp. It'd be curious to go for fans of a next to go back and find those old issues and see what her personality was originally envisioned to be, mm-hmm. and see how close the two characters are or aren't, as the case may be. They're actually remarkably similar because I mean that version of her character was also dealing with the the dad, her father not being around and having I think at that. Was he around? I, I, it's been a, a long time since I've read the issues. I, I think we'll probably be saying that a lot of these topics. Yeah. So have, don't um, feel bad. Um, that actually kind of reminded me of a character that I'd like to in, put in as my runner-up. Okay. Since I didn't have any option originally. Okay. So, um, you had shown me some Thor comics from around the first year of our universe, so about ten years ago now. Okay. In which he had become Lord of Asgard. Yes. And the focus of the comic had shifted to his son, Magni. Oh, yeah. Now, Mag- that ar- immediately caught my attention because I'm a fan of the original Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. And that's a clear shout-out to, in the Norse myths, yeah. uh, the god Thor has uh, two sons, mm-hmm. Magni and Modi. Okay. And uh, also, I found out recently a, a daughter as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Modi and Magni kind of have cool, cool names that roll off the tongue. Yeah. Her name, I believe, is something like, um, it's something very unflattering sounding for a, for a beautiful young girl to have. Nice. I'll have to look that up on Wikipedia. It's like Thrudstruker. Oh, wow. It's something very Swedish sounding. Okay, that's exciting. But, um, <laughs> yeah, she was supposed to be supposedly the most beautiful really? fair maiden there ever was. Wow. And uh, it was unfortunate that I, th- I thought that sort of the same way that Peter Parker had to be kept perpetually in his 20s. And could never grow up and get married and have a kid. Mm-hmm. There was never because Thor the comic needed romantic tension. They could never really make it clear that he is actually married to Sif. Yeah, and they have three beautiful kids. Mm. They because that young. would because that would be age him too much. You know, because a, a multiple millennial old god c- couldn't have age to the. Yeah. yeah, that is unfortunate. I mean, even in Hercules, they let him have his children, and Ares has had a, a child. Like, it's why is Thor singled out? Because they need to. They they don't want to uh, admit that he can be a as big a philanderer as Zeus, like any god could. Really, mm. if you were a god, how seriously would you take marriage vows? <laughs> I guess, especially well, well, if I guess one perspective on it would be though, if you're going to live that long, what's a couple of years? Until she dies. Yeah, especially with a, if if you were the goddess, if you were Sif, mm-hmm. and your husband was having a dalliance with a mortal, it's exactly that. A couple of years, and then he's he's come home again. It's probably the same way. It sounds very rational, well. but I'm sure uh, that's not how Sif would react. Well, maybe not. She's a passionate one. Yes. So who is actually your runner-up? Which well, Magni. It is Magni. Uh, if if uh, he could have had a spin-off the same way that Spider-Girl had had a spin-off. Hmm. In its own self-contained universe, just showing what could have been. Yeah. I bet you could have had a lot of the great uh, mystical, mythological adventure stories that we're currently seeing with young Loki in Journey into Mystery. Okay. All that stuff could have happened... You you have, again, a young character with an unwritten story, Mm -hmm. and the writer can take it in any direction he pleases. You have got the, the... the well-established cast and setting of Asgard yeah. to draw on the rich, so the rich comic history and mythology, yeah. and um, and you don't have to worry, unfortunately, uh, the, have some of the same concerns that that Journey to Mystery has right now, which is 
paying attention to what the rest of the Marvel Universe is doing, such as Fear Itself. Well, that's the reason why Journey... Well, Journey of the Mystery wouldn't have worked without Fear Itself, as much as Fear Itself wasn't good. Mm. But uh, the only downside, and I guess the reason why they couldn't have done that with Magni, was because that whole universe had to get pulped. I mean, that whole reality was, was set... was erased. Um, so, like, it never happened. Otherwise, it would have been neat to see a spin-off, but... I guess they weren't that committed. They weren't well, even that committed to the Thor comic at but, that time. But to be the, on the same note, Spider Girl's universe has gotten pulped by Mephisto in this case. Yeah, that's true. But it wasn't not till much later. I mean, it could still have happened. I mean, I guess the whole idea of Spider Girl originally was that it could still happen. It, unlikely. No, but no, it couldn't. It could have happened. <laughs> well, the longer it went, it went on, and the longer the Marvel universe kept going at the same time, the more it diverged. But from the original creation point, it could have been the future of the Marvel Universe. Kind of like Kingdom Come at the time could have been the future of the, of the DC Universe. And the more, and for a while they were try, trying to kind of steer it that way, but then the more it went on, it obviously was that. And you're saying they couldn't have found a way to do that with Magni's Universe? I don't, well, I don't think they would ever have supported it because they didn't, weren't even supporting the Thor title at that time. Like, once that story with Magni was over, six issues later, the book was cancelled and it didn't come back for like five years. Or so, well, that's a shame. It is a shame. No, I, I think there's a lot to do with that character. That character was quite interesting. I agree with you. I'm not in any way invalidating your choice because I remember reading that and actually liking the character quite a lot. Mm. Uh, and it was an interesting storyline as well, and just seeing what his what his son was like. Oh, I, I I'd just like to take this opportunity to uh, plug the role playing social uh, club again, even though it's not the real name. Yeah, the role playing strategy campaign. Okay. One of the huge upsides to being able to write your own stories is that if you have a particular favorite character that you wanted to see developed, you're free to do that. Mm. We, we coordinate the different uh, titles to make sure that they're all in a shared continuity and nobody's stepping on each other's toes. Yeah. But if you wanted to write a, a Thor comic book that starred Magni and his adventures through, mm-hmm. through Asgard, uh, then that's, that's fine. We can find a way to make that work. And in fact, we encourage that sort of uh, creativity. Cool. We don't want to see the same old stories being run through over and over again. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to our actual list All now right. that we're done with the runners up. What's your number five? Okay, so my number five is going to be uh, the 90s uh, reboot Legion, a lot of the characters that were introduced there okay. collectively. But in particular, my personal favorite was Censor. And she is a reimagining of Princess Projectra and then later Censor Girl from the previous continuity. Okay. But she brought to the, the table the fact that she was one of the most glaringly non-humanoid members of the Legion. And this was one of the main directions that, that the reboot Legion had intended to take from the very start was that it's a story set in the 30th century out in space. We've got a Star Trek-like... Mm-hmm. Federation of Planets, the United Planets, that unites cultures from all these different alien worlds, and yet all of them look perfectly human, except that they have superpowers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and or, or and sometimes not even. In some cases, the superpower is that everyone born on this particular planet is a twin. Oh, yeah. Which, ugh. The science behind it is bad enough to start with, so I'm not going to get into that. But Okay. So, the idea that, you know, maybe... Maybe we don't just have to have forehead aliens like on Star Trek with the Klingons and the pointy ears on the Vulcans. Yeah. Maybe we're just drawing these. We can make them as weird looking as we want. Mm-hmm. So why are we sticking to just little like orange skin and antennas? That's the sort of makeup that, job that you would get on Star Trek. Yes. When you have a budget to worry about, yeah. why would you worry about it in a comic book series? 
So Censor Girl was reimagined as Censor, who is still Princess Jekka. Uh, so keeping a lot of the same backstory, except that she came from a planet of sentient ophidians, which were basically snakes, except giant. Okay. And talking. Um, and it's, it's strange, though, that they, they live on a planet where they don't have opposable thumbs, and yet they're the dominant life form over another sentient species of raccoons yeah. that do have opposable digits and can work technology. Interesting. Yeah, I always thought that was a little weird myself, but... I do like sentient raccoons. I guess it's because they could eat them. Okay. And so they just push them around, and, like, they do have sort of a slave labor relationship with them. Okay, cool. But you'd think the over the millennia that they developed, the raccoons would have uh, banded together at some point. You would think so. But, on the other hand, um, I'm not sure if it was ever clear whether Princess Jekka's powers were... Like a one in a million genetic, like if she's a mutant of her species, mm-hmm. or if this is something that they can develop, that they all have some level of psychic ability. And if that's if they're giant talking psychic snakes, then it totally makes sense that they'd be uh, the dominant life form on their planet. Yeah. Anyway, um, so she may not have been a, you know, a, a hot comic book babe for the the fanboys to drool over, like most other characters are. Um, but I always thought that she had just as much of an interesting feminine personality, hmm. which shone through in her, the way she spoke. And, yeah. And it made... She had a brief relationship with Chameleon. That's interesting. Which was interesting, yeah. Because he could see... To, to him, she was just as attractive as Saturn Girl or Lightning yeah. Lass or any of the other ones. Because what's a humanoid body to his... In his mind, you know? Mm-hmm. What, what does he care about that? He can be a snake as easily as he can be a human. That's true. So, uh, in addition to Censor, you also had some fan favorites such as Gates and Excess, okay. who uh, have maintained their popularity and notably jumped over into the main universe, totally abandoning all their friends and past relationships just so that they could be in comics Yep. In at the conclusion of Legion of Three Worlds. I like this just for a minute because you made me think of it. It makes me wish the combo characters were real, a la Toy Story, that kind of thing. And like, take care, guys. We want to be in comics again. Well, it seemed like oh. a very Hollywood move to me. Yeah. Like, uh, it, it's like the cast of two television shows, and a mm. couple of them got better offers on their contracts from a, a rival sitcom. So they jumped ship. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then the, their old friends and acquaintances were never mentioned again. That's really too bad. In, in the post-Flashpoint universe, Gates and Excess... Well, Gates is still around. Excess, I don't know if we've seen her yet. I don't think so. But uh, I bet you'll never hear them mention that they originally came from another universe that was very similar, but not quite the one they're in now. Nope. Um, And then my other personal favorite was Kinetics, who, when she started out, was a girl who could uh, animate and manipulate non-living matter. Hmm. And that was her power. And uh, over the course of the 90s reboot Legion run... She started messing around with magical artifacts, which isn't often uh, a major part of the Legion universe, with the exception of Mordru and uh, and the White Witch okay. and Sorcerer's World. But apart from that, um, Legion is generally a sci-fi book. Yeah. But anyway, she started messing around with magic, and it was neat to see any sort of character just being an apprentice, like a low-level just learning the basics. Okay. And gradually getting building up more and more. 
and the problems that she encountered on, on the way, the most memorable of which, at one point, a magical spell kind of blew up in her face, okay. and she was temporarily transformed into what amounts to a cat girl. Oh. She, she grew a tail and cat ears, and uh, her skin turned stark white, and she right, had a, a tattoo added to her face. Okay. And I thought it was a brilliant look. I don't care what anybody says. You can... <laughs> I don't. I don't know what the character looks like, so I can't even oh, speak to well, it. Oh well, maybe I don't. You know, show me after. Do, I guess. do you uh, do you add pictures to your podcast, like when you post them up? Uh, generally, no. Well, maybe you could post it in the thread where you. Yeah, post I could post it in the thread. Available. Yeah, I could post it in the thread in HG Realms. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because just yeah. some of the, the characters that we're going to be talking about, because yeah, some of them are relatively obscure. Yeah, you'll probably the, the listeners will probably want to get a, a look at some of these people because it also. Speaks to the era of art that they came from and yes. costume design. Yeah. Now, because this is like the 90s Legion years, right? Yeah, that I'm talking about. Now, and... The post-Zero Hour. Post-Zero Hour. It's not not before the three-boot. Right. The three-boot okay. is what killed this Legion. Uh, okay. It ended with a large Legion and Teen Titans crossover. That's right, with uh, Superboy. Yeah, and they had to fight the Fatal 5000. Yes. Or something of that sort. Okay. And so it was this version of the team that went through Legion Lost and Legion Worlds? Yes. Okay. Yes. Trying to get it. Because those are recent, they've finally collected those comics now. So Oh. And I know that those were always favorites of yours, because I remember you talking about them. Yeah, so. those were excellent quality storylines that, again, took the characters into places that we hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. And haven't seen that sort of originality since, in my no, opinion. Even though they have the same title. Yes, we now have a Legion Lost dedicated comic book, because they are trying to replicate the success of the past... And they're doing it in a, maybe the opposite way, I think. Yeah. Instead of taking them out into the very distant uh, regions <laughs> of space where, where anything Earth. can happen, they take them to Earth in the current continuity where we know exactly what's going to happen. That's unfortunate. I yeah. only read the first couple of issues and I didn't care. But they all got spiffy, stark white costumes. Oh boy, exciting. <laughs> it's so exciting. Uh, any other the Legion that are on... Um, those are the top ones in my mind because... Okay. Sensor uh, and Kinetics in particular because I p- always enjoyed their personalities okay. and the way that they played off the others. Sensor, as I mentioned, with Chameleon mm-hmm. and um, some of the quasi-fantastic racism that you get. Like, nobody, nobody's racist in the future against actual minorities like black people or Asians or anything. Yeah. But they still are racist against giant psychic snakes. Okay. So, or, or non-humanoids in this case. So xenophobic? Yeah, you, I guess. you'd call it xenophobia. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So it's used as a metaphor, the same way that X Men uses metaphors, and it's interesting to see how X Men have changed their metaphor over the years, from racism to, uh, to homophobia. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. It's interesting, just a different way of playing it. That's all. I'm starting to wonder if the X Men are eventually going to become a metaphor for maybe Islamophobia, because okay. they're often called terrorists and such by the mutant haters. Yeah, that's true. And uh, they're again very minority. They and a, and a visible minority in some cases, mm-hmm. depending on what your particular mutation is. Yeah, and it's not so much that they're creepy; it's that they've the the mass populace has been indoctrinated to believe that they are a threat that could burst out at any time and yeah. cause massive damage. Yeah, to the that's population. true. Well, that's actually interesting So there's point. a parallel there that could be drawn. And it definitely is, yeah. Huh. We'll, have to, we'll have to see if any writers capitalize on that, I guess. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, so my number five was uh, the Slingers, which is a short... I actually thought it was going to be higher, um, but it wasn't. Uh, 
did it make your list, or did you? Stay no, away? no. I was asked, I was looking over your shoulder to make sure we didn't double up because that okay. would be boring for the podcast. Think well, of your listeners. No, this is true. Uh, so Slingers uh, originally came out of a storyline uh, called Identity Crisis, not the DC one, but a Spider-Man focused one in uh, 1998. Uh, Spider-Man had to don four separate identities for a month uh, or two months actually because he couldn't be Spider-Man because there was a five million dollar bounty on his head uh, after he was done. Uh, clearing his name, he basically retired these identities, and then uh, a new writer, I believe Joe Harris, took the character, uh, took the designs, and basically said, "Okay, I got these four new kind of teen heroes are going to take up these identities. Uh, they got this Golden Age hero called the Black Marvel is going to lead them, and uh, basically there we go. Um, Hornet is a guy hid palsy, correct on his arm? Yeah, pal- palsy on his arm. So, but then he put on these uh, basically like gauntlets and this flying harness, which doesn't make sense that he can even." carry it or put it on because the only reason Spider-Man could put it on was because he had super strength and they even addressed that once and I'm, they never actually in Slingers addressed how he suddenly has super strength and able to put on that armor but I don't, I don't know how the armor fixes his palsy either it doesn't but they, I guess I, yeah it doesn't really make a lot of sense but he always felt free with it but yeah it doesn't really make a lot of sense uh, Ricochet was uh, a mutant who, wait, wait, wait I'm, I'm going to ask that when you're introducing each of these characters yes Update the readers on where they are oh, now, well, too, please. Let me do that first. Okay, so... As you're introducing each of them, yeah. All right, so Horner, uh, he, he died very ignobly because it wasn't even on panel. He died in uh, the Enemy of the State storyline uh, with uh, Wolverine. Uh, Wolverine killed him, and then, not on panel, we see his body, and someone says, oh my god, he killed Spider-Man, and they look over, it's like, no, it's someone else. They didn't even get his name right. Uh, so Mark, Mark Millar just kind of thumbing his nose at people who are devoted fans. This goes back to what you said about how some of these characters just end up fodder for when someone goes on a massacre, and that's what happened to Hornet. Uh, they did end up using his death as a motivating factor for Ricochet later on in one of his last few appearances on panel, but, um, yeah, it was not a fair way for the For the most part, it was just to show that Wolverine meant business. And I'm fine with that. Just show him fighting one panel, like... If he had at least gone down and we saw him like struggling heroically to fight off Wolverine, who's a one hell of a scary character in the Marvel Universe, like he's well known as being like this really dangerous guy. So if you actually saw a scene of that, I'd at least be like, at least he went out on on top, or at least he went out on a really good fighting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Blue Beetle. A lot of people love that he like he got shot and they're upset that he's dead, but he got hit a great story before he did die. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted Cord, he went out on top. Everyone, I think that's why a lot of people are like, "Oh, I want to bring back Ted Cord," because they read that last story and it redeemed everything you'd ever read about that character because he was amazing in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wish they would have given that kind of treatment to Hornet. So sad. Yeah, an off-panel death is very disrespectful. And then not even calling him his right name right away. Like I guess that I don't even know why he bothered. It's kind of realistic, I guess, but it is because I guess it speaks to the nature of him not being a very well-known character and. But I just I, I took it personally, which I shouldn't have, because I mean characters die. But I remember just being very okay. disappointed. Okay, it's it'll be all right. Move on to the next okay. character. Uh, next was Ricochet. So he was a mutant who had very similar powers to Spider-Man. He also had an early warning sense. Uh, he was the kind of the fun-loving one. Uh, after the death of Hornet, we did briefly see him in Runaways and then in Loners. He hasn't been seen since then. Um, Actually, no, I take that back. He might have actually kind of been in the background a little in Avengers Academy. But he hasn't really been used in a, in a starring role in a long time. Uh, the brief part in Loners was him kind of dealing with the fact that um, he should have been with Hornet when he when he died. And it almost made me a little bit more okay with Hornet being dead that we have Ricochet kind of reacting to Hornet's death because they were best friends. But again, they haven't really done much with him. 
Uh, Dusk is probably one of the worst off because the last time we saw her, she was one of the Puppet Master's mindless well, you, sex you're slaves. getting ahead of yourself. You didn't even dus- introduce ah, who Dusk was. I'm sorry. Uh, well, it's four, so I'm just trying to rap, rap, rap. Uh, I, I can see why you need a co-host here. Wow. What a <laughs> jerk. I'm a little all over the place today. Um, Dusk was Cassie St. Saint- Simmons? St. Commons. Cassie St. Commons. Okay. She, was, she died in Slingers number zero, or half, no zero. Uh, and then she basically this this suit kind of kept her alive. She was dead, but not quite alive. Wait, is that what it was? Yeah. It was the suit that brought her back. I thought she it came was back mysteriously, and they didn't know what brought her back. It was never really explained. So it can, like, and then because she was never without the suit, like she was kind of is yeah. the suit now. She died because she was trying to jump across a building. Like that's basically it, which is kind of a lame way to go, but kind of interesting. No, that yeah, I thought that was an interesting way to kick off the series Cause because most times heroes just make the jump. And... These these were very well. I thought it was a very teenager thing to do. Yeah, the, these were all young heroes, and they just got their identities and powers. Mm-hmm. And or I don't know if they all had powers even with Prodigy's case. But Prodigy didn't have powers. Uh, I don't think uh, uh... he didn't at the time. Anyway, yeah, he didn't at the time. He definitely has something now. Yeah. But they never really explained where that was. Well, I think that's a case of writers not paying attention. A little bit, yeah. Because now he can do things that he shouldn't be able to do, like fly a little, and now he has a cape. <laughs> in in comic books, if you wear a cape, it's only a matter of time before you start flying. Yeah, so so Dusk was... Even happened to Batman. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Dusk, Dusk is a... Uh, I actually didn't really oh, think she was all that interesting to me when I first read Slingers. I w- was focusing on the others. Well, you might not have been the target demographic, though, because no. you're not female or a goth. No, I'm not. So, so that's I guess that's why I didn't really gravitate as much towards her. And you don't date female goths either. No, I don't. Never have. Never will. Now I'm married. <laughs> um, but so the last time we saw her, she was just a mindless sex slave of the Puppet Master. And then I guess she got rescued, but we never saw her again. But that was probably a high point in her career for all those guys that like to date female goths. <laughs> I guess so. That's really upsetting. <laughs> Uh, and the last one was Prodigy, who was the kind of the the jerk of the of the of the group of this you know these four characters. Um, like everyone else was kind of li- was very likable. Well, not the goth as much because she was just weird and mysterious. And I like, liked her. Yeah, I know, but she was weird and mysterious. They weren't writing her to be that interesting yeah, to okay. really relate she, to. She w- she wasn't an extrovert, if that's what you mean. No, like you're the two main characters that you were supposed to kind of view the team through were. Um, uh, Hornet and Ricochet, because they were the likable ones, and Prodigy was I, the jerk. I, I think that you're so you're projecting a little your, your own views onto this because a I remember they sold four copies of the first issue, and this is the only time in my career as a comic book collector that I've gone and bought variant issues. Okay, I own all four number ones of Slingers, and it's because uh, while the bulk of the issue is identical, each of them got their own unique introduction and epilogue to the issue. And I think the idea was that they are all relatable to different readers. Yeah. You just personally happen to identify more with uh, Johnny and... Partially. Uh, I think partially I'm also uh, referencing how he was later written. Because of, of all of them, Prodigy probably has been had the most face time in comics. And he has been mm-hmm. more developed as being have, having that jerk mentality. Okay. So I, I think I'm, I'm not necessarily projecting, but I'm more taking what they've done with him later and applying it to some of his earlier appearances well. Okay, fair Cause, enough. Because he's actually had the best exposure, not necessarily... I mean, he was in uh, Civil War Frontline, I believe it was Frontline, uh, unfortunately drunkenly calling out Iron Man and then getting his ass kicked by him. Uh, he then showed up in Avengers The Initiative, 
uh, where again he was just a bit of a douche. Uh, he had to uh, publicly apologize at one point. Yes, right? he did, as part of, when he was in the initiative, he had to publicly apologize for his actions previously. And then he was also in uh, Fear Itself: Youth and Revolt, where he was actually tasked by uh, Captain America for leading a coalition of young heroes. Hmm. So he's actually had the most stuff, but um, I I never found him the most interesting of the four. Um, but I at least appreciate that one writer has enjoyed writing this character. And I think it was the same writer who wrote the different stories. Hmm. But if you would only explain how he got Superman-like powers. Yeah, and they never bothered. Because originally it was basically just a suit he was wearing. Yeah, he was just a star athlete. He was a star he was athlete. Peak human potential, but... Yeah. Um, I always liked the book because I... You know, I, there were brand new heroes. Um, I was like 14, 15 at the time. I liked reading new heroes. I found them relatively relatable. They were interesting. Well, that's uh, the point of this whole podcast, really. Is yeah. that these are not... The same legacy characters that have been brought back to the status quo over and over again. These are new characters yeah. with new ideas. Plus, it was nice to see that like the whole identity crisis with Spider-Man was kind of a fun, a fun thing to do. But the fact that someone then took all those identities and tried to actually do something with it is interesting. Because, I mean, they could have mm-hmm. just taken those, those ultimate costumes and just thrown them away and never thought of them again, which they've kind of tried to do in some ways. Now, but... I'm going to test your comic history knowledge here. Okay. So... Explain to me, was the Black Marvel the, the mentor to the group? Yes. Was he actually an old school Golden Age Marvel character? Because I remember seeing, I think it was Dynamite Comics or something, yeah. tried to revive a whole bunch of old Golden Age And was Black characters. Marvel in there? I don't know. I think he was... My subconscious kind of wants me I to say I think he yes, is... You know, I don't actually know. I, I feel like... They were playing him up like he was supposed to be, but he actually wasn't. Okay, well, anybody listening to this is free to respond. Yeah, with the please answer. do. Yeah, like, if they know if Black Marvel from the Slingers comic <laughs> is the same as any actual Black Marvel Golden Age hero. Yeah, I don't think he is, but I, I'm I'm open to finding out. Uh, you can let me know at comicshenanigans at gmail dot com. You can reply in the thread at HC Realms if you're on the Realms where we post this episode, or you can let us know on Facebook because I'm interested in finding out. Because yeah, and he ended up just being a villain. Uh, another big thing that made that book so good was the art by Criss Cross. It was extremely dy- dynamic. Uh, he later did um, uh, Captain Marvel with Peter David. Extremely good stuff. Hmm. So that's my number five. I always like okay. singers. So my next one, this is going to be short. Okay. Because, um, so I'm, I'd like to bring up the hero Aztec. Okay. Who, uh, he was, again, sort of a peak human potential type character. Mm-hmm. And then his he wore a, a costume or an armor, that uh, was given to him by a, a secret organization which ended up being owned by Lex Luthor in the long run. Oh, is that true? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's what they had always planned, but that's what came to light later on. Uh, after, I think, his own comic folded and uh, they needed to decide how to f- wrap things up, I suppose. Okay. Because I think it was reasonable. Like, he did have a readership. And they were a bit put off that the story was left unfinished. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted to try to uh, end it in a satisfying conclusion. Okay. And so what eventually happened was in the World War Three storyline in Grant Morrison's JLA, which was a great run. Oh, it has fantastic. lots of fans. Oh, and yeah. uh, World War Three was a particularly good storyline. I remember reading that and liking it. Yeah. Um, but it reduced as poor Aztec, who... and and all of his loyal followers, his big contribution was being turned into a bomb, like a human bomb that got fed to the giant dragon monster in space that uh, was going to devour the Earth, and it blew it up from the inside. So 
you know, about as good a way as you could have ha- hoped to end your superheroic career, I suppose. That's so sad. But why not just take off the costume and throw <laughs> it in and then go home and live your life with your family and have a happy ending? Did you read a lot of the Aztec comics? No, not really. So your main exposure was from the JLA book? Yeah, that was how I first got to know him, really. And But I wanted to bring him up in particular because it is 2012, mm-hmm. and we're about a month and a half away from the end of the Mayan calendar. And Aztec, was, the whole uh, premise behind the character was that he was created by this Lex Luthor-owned corporation, which was trying to create the ultimate man, I believe was his tagline. Yeah. Uh, who was going to take us through the end of the Mayan calendar. And so Aztec, because of poor sales, never made it to 2012, which is when, presumably, his story was going to reach its epic conclusion, when he was going to save us from annihilation. Or not, as the case may be, if we find out in a month or so. You know, Grant Morrison's still writing action comics. He could show up there. But he's dead. He could bring him. Well, New 52. Nothing oh, happened. Right. Okay. It's a perfect time to bring characters back in, in the DC side. Yeah. Because nothing, especially in the Superman era, area of the New 52, all that stuff didn't happen. Hmm. If it's Batman, that stuff still happened, or GL. But Well, if that does happen, I will say the one thing that, I, cool. that could be improved is his costume, maybe. Because mm-hmm. the white and gold and the big sort of ruffled headdress type helmet. Yeah. Mm, Not a winner. Yeah, even back then it looked a little funky to me. So He did make it into Heroclix, though. Yeah. I mean, that's more than we can say for a lot of characters. Yeah, but, well, maybe this is going off on a tangent, but his only keyword is the JLA keyword. Yeah. Which represents the Morrison-era JLA comic. And apparently, WizKids has decided that this is too complex for players to understand. Maybe they've gotten received one too many complaints from people who don't understand that there's a difference between the Justice League of America, JLA, and Justice League... And wanted to see them all rolled up into one mm-hmm. one group. Yeah. So now they are, and the JLA keyword is obsolete, and no one will ever put Aztec on their f- teams ever again. That's sad. Which is just the same fate that he met in comics, too. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> At so, least he got made, though. I mean, I still give credit to that. Yeah, that's true. That's more than we can say for a lot of the characters on our list. Yeah. Um, I would... If I ever happen to win the world tournament of, of Heroclix, you can bet I'll be picking somebody from else from one of these lists to uh, get made. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, my number four is kind of a twofer. Um, I put the uh, the Trainer family, uh, Seward Trainer and uh, Doctor Carolyn Trainer, or Lady Octopus. Uh, I always thought there was a lot of potential in that relationship. That it was unfortunately these two characters were originally uh, introduced uh, in the nineteen nineties. Uh, during the Clone Saga, Seward Trainer was this mysterious ally of Ben Riley as originally uh, introduced. He was a, a, I guess, a geneticist, or he was sort of playing the role that Doctor Connors played for Peter. Yeah, he was involved in virtual reality stuff, which is actually interesting. That he was in two very different types of science because he also did a lot of biology, and then he was also very much like. Well, I think they tried technology. to tie it to get. Yeah, that's that's not the sort of thing you go to the school for. No, the same school for for both. Um, I think they were trying to tie it together in that he used virtual reality to manipulate genetics. Okay, but that's not how it worked but out. Yeah, though. he's that's ridiculous. Yeah. No, um, and so that that was his original kind of purpose. He was retconned as having been uh, one of uh, the Jackal's original lab assistants, which is why he knew more about clones than your standard geneticist, I guess, would. Maybe that explains it. He was probably going to school for computers, because in the 
when was the Jackal originally around? In the seventies, seventies, early seventies. Okay, so that was you know Microsoft was getting off its feet. That, okay, that was a uh, hot. You were you if you were going into computers, you were going to make some money with that career. That's true. And uh, Jackal saw that promising in student said, you know what? No, we're going to make clones instead. <laughs> and that's how he got his double major. Yep, there you go. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, and the the back the backstory is that you know he had been a friend of Riley, helping him throughout, and he knew basically his entire backstory. Uh, the retcon was that he was actually a plant by the Squires and Norman Osborn to keep track on the clone. But I just liked that he gave Ben Riley someone that he knew they had a instead of having to come up with new cast members he was just meeting for the first time, he actually had a staunch ally. Uh, he was also important because he was the one who gave Ben Riley and uh, Peter Parker the results that said that Ben Riley was the original and not the clone. Uh, he played an in- integral part during that era. Now, I know that without Ben Riley, he doesn't necessarily have a lot of uh, place, but I still think he, he could add something. Instead of having to always have Kirk Connors or something like that, why not have someone else who's a lot more sympathetic to Peter Parker? I mean, especially now that he's working at Horizon Labs, wh- I mean, it's too bad that Sewer Trainer is dead. Like they killed him off. Well, I can really underst- cruelly. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, it might be nice for Peter to have a scientific ally who isn't Kurt Connors, who will mm-hmm. inevitably try to kill him. Yep. Uh, but someone a, else being knows at Horizon who Labs. Well, first off, he can kind of do a lot of that stuff himself. Now. This is true now. And their Horizon Labs has introduced a lot of similar super scientist type characters. I know, but just this one already exists or existed. Just, well, so why not have him show up at Horizon Labs as yeah. an employee or something? Like, I, I feel like he couldn't. Like, his death was very quick. The way they did it, there was no. How did he die? Uh, Gaunt basically smushed him. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. Like, he basically got got smashed, like mashed up, and he may have been shot, but like he was running away from Gaunt, and then Gaunt basically just tore into him. It. The reason why I'm, I've always been a little bit upset about that is that we never saw any fallout from that. Uh, Ben Riley never really got no, to... No tears were shed? Not really, no. I think there was a brief mm. comment that Sewer Trainer was dead and Ben Riley, while Ben Riley was busy fighting, I think, Norman. But there was really nothing else in there about what happened. And this guy was like a uh, like his Uncle Ben. Like, well, an additional Uncle Ben because he had yeah. to... But like he was a father figure that took care of him during this period. It might be period. better to say it was his Captain Stacy, maybe? Okay, yeah. I would say that, I guess. Yeah, it, it was this, this older father figure who was able to assist him during this trying point in his life and he really meant a lot to him and then we have no follow-up from that and mm-hmm. i just always really liked the character i also liked lady octopus or dr octopus too i guess originally i like um, to call her lady octopus what's her name now because now that Otto's back oh okay she actually is lady octopus not dr octopus too uh she showed up seven eight years ago in secret war hasn't really made any other appearances since then i just always liked that uh I didn't like that Doc Ock originally died, but I like that we had a new character who was a new octopus-themed, and that she had some sort of relation with Otto, and she was kind of taking on his work and working with a virtual reality version of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just and I like their father-daughter because when we found out that they were uh, this new Doctor Octopus was related to Sewer Trainer, we learned a lot more about Trainer as a, as an individual. Up till then, we only knew that he was this friend of Ben's, but we didn't really know a lot about his background. And suddenly, he was a, he became a lot more interesting, and then. They never really put those two characters in the room together ever again, and then eventually they killed off Seward and just shuttled uh, Carolyn Trainer off when the auto came back. So yeah. I was I was enjoyed there. I liked family. also that she had scientific areas of expertise that weren't robotics and radiation, which is what Otto was really good at. Yeah, that's true. It made her different. Yeah, she had particular cyber crimes that she was going for. And a lot of that stuff doesn't make sense though. If you if you reread a lot of that 
mind or virtual stuff. reality rig. Yeah, a lot of it doesn't really make a lot of sense. It represents what people really understood about the internet and virtual reality oh, at the time. Yeah, totally. It like this is this is the same area that we had shows like VR Troopers. <laughs> yep. On the air, so where and people kind of operated still on like a Tron, like and I'm talking the original Tron yeah. mindset where. They kind of thought of the internet as this other space mm. that was every bit as real as ours, but filled with computers and lights and silicon chips. And The world of reboot? Yeah, the world of reboot. Yeah, that you could somehow enter into this place and everything would be as physically solid mm. as it was here. And that things would work the same. If you punch someone, yeah. that would cause them injury and cause their program to crash or something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. And that's all it took was a punch. You just had to think about moving your arm forward into their face. And that's all the not, you know, that wasn't a representation of Spider-Man hacking that program and causing it to crash. He doesn't know a thing about hacking. It was just him throwing his fist forward. Hmm. That's, yeah, no. Yeah. It's interesting. So with that mindset, which is probably... The, that's what the writer all that he knew about com- yeah, I cyberspace. Yeah, that is probably. true. It's not that it's bad. It just it feels very dated. I guess is more of the point. Yeah, it would have been a whole different story if we had had a writer writing Spider-Man comics at the time, who was a big fan of like the the big sci-fi authors like um, mm. William Gibson or something like that. Yeah, and who was really into cyberpunk or or hell, you know, even if it was just written. After the movie The Matrix had come out. Okay. The Matrix did a lot... You know, a lot can be said about The Matrix. Yeah. But one thing is just that it updated everybody's understanding of what the internet is to uh, a new level from what it was before. It it did totally change the paradigm on what people were thinking. I agree with that. So, Lady Octopus in a post-Matrix world. Let's make it happen. Yeah. (laughs) Let's see that. Because unfortunately, the only time we've seen her, they've basically used her as like a thug version of Doc Ock. Yeah. And she hasn't really had any personality. She's just kind of been attacking with, with, with uh, these with tentacles. Arms, yeah. And she was basically like a pawn of a bigger thing. But she has her own kind of master well, planner. Well, she's on her way towards that death list. Yes. she's People remember her now, and they know that it's not easy to take down someone with octopus arms. Mm-hmm. But the more she's gone, the more she's edging closer towards that death list. And I'm sure she's not more than a few appearances away from some new villain killing her off in a brutal manner just to show that they're bad badass. Oh yeah. And, and it's actually interesting because when you think of her the only reason she even existed is because Doc Ock was dead because he was on a death list. Yeah. Because we have a and this was all happening rampantly in the 90s. We have a brand new character, Kane, he's all he's all mysterious. We need him to kill someone. Who can we kill? We kill Doc Ock and we kill the Grim Hunter. And and that and why are we killing them? To make this character look fearsome. That was the only reason. Didn't add anything to the books. Here's a question, since uh, you're better up on Marvel than I am. Okay. Since Kane has now come back... Yes. ...at the end of uh, the last... Spider Island. Spider Island, yeah. Um, and then... Uh, and now has his own book as the Scarlet Spider. And Doc Ock has also come back from the dead. Yeah. The original. Although he's at death's door, but he's still doing stuff yeah. somehow. Uh, even being in an iron lung. Yeah. Have the two of them met? No. I'd Post. like to see that happen. Yeah, I'd like to say, hey, 
That would I be, killed you. <laughs> that would be kind of cool. Uh, I doubt it will happen because now he's in Houston, or actually, right now he's in the microverse. But uh, oh, right. Yeah, that be you know you bring up a good point because uh, he has had interactions with a lot of the characters, like a lot of Spider-Man's Rogue Gallery. He was terrorizing them at the time. Mm-hmm. Everyone was scared of Kane. Uh, now he's not going by Kane, so no one would really know him. Yeah, but he uh, would but, remember. But, them. but he would know. No, it would be interesting to see that. I hope that he'd at least remember a man that he killed. Yes, I th- no, I think he would. Why wouldn't he? Yeah. Um, no, I, that would be interesting to see them see each other again. I doubt well, it will happen. Why wouldn't he? Is probably because he died and came back. Yeah, why he wouldn't know or wouldn't remember? Yeah, that sort of thing could believably have an effect on his. His memory. memories don't seem to have been affected, but Doc Ock's were because when he was resurrected, because yeah. he knew who Peter Parker was, and now he's going to figure it out next month. Apparently, according to solicits, he's going to figure it out. Oh, good! Right on his death's door. Wait, what about Doctor Strange's spell? Well, it's not permanent. It's not really in effect anymore. Like, if he isn't careful, it, people will start to piece it together. Huh. Like, they, there was an issue where they... Well, here's my that. prediction, is okay. that we all know that Doc Ock can't stay in an iron lung forever. Correct. Because that's not the classic version of Doc Ock that everybody grew up with. True. So it's only a matter of time before he goes back to being a fat put, uh, little guy in a jump, orange and green jumpsuit. Yes. Or something, variation of that. Okay. So when they eventually come up with a reason for him to go back to that, okay, what do you want to bet Carolyn Trainer is brought up and dies in that storyline? Oh, um, maybe yeah. I don't. I, it depends on how he goes out because I feel like he's going to be in Spider Man's body, but that's a whole other thing. I think that that this whole Superior Spider Man thing, I think that's going to be Doc Ock's mind in Peter Parker's body. Oh, well, that's an interesting theory. Because that would prove... Because they've been saying, you know, the Spider-Man's going to be back with MJ, but it's not Peter Parker. Spider- Peter Parker's not Spider-Man. Well, is it his body is there, but his mind's not. Because it's a superior Spider-Man. You know it would be really creepy? If Doc Ock did... Uh, oh, wait. Wh- oh, you, you don't even know what I'm thinking. If Doc Ock wants Doc to Ock get with Aunt May... Doc Ock, in Peter Parker's body, uh, starts flirting with Aunt May. Yeah, that's upsetting. <laughs> he can't help himself. He always flirts with her. He does. Oh. Okay, please go to your next one on the list. Okay. That's upsetting. Well, my next one is right still in Spider-Man territory, so we're not getting that far from it. Okay. Um, Maddie Franklin is the third or maybe fourth Spider-Woman, depending on what, how continuity yeah. lies. But Plus, technically, she could be the third Spider-Man. Yeah. Because she was Spider-Man for a duration, not just like for a day pretending. Well, she wasn't trying to be Spider-Man. People just thought she looked like Spider-Man. Uh, wasn't she, she kind of was... trying to be Spider-Man? She had padding, so that she wouldn't look like a girl. Oh, I thought she would just had. I thought she was just a tomboy. <laughs> no, no. I think they they even said that she had some padding on her. Oh, to help flesh. That would out make her, her look more like a girl. I, I I don't know where the padding was or how in her bra or maybe she was all maybe it was padding some of her body and then also taping her down. Maybe. I don't know. I think she stuffed a sock in the front? <laughs> God, I hope not. Just cause to complete the illusion? I don't know. I don't think Howard Beck well, got that head. young Maddie Franklin got her superpowers uh, in an event called The Gathering of Five, mm-hmm. which was, I thought, a particularly fun storyline. Um, magic in the Spider-Man books can often be a little bit weird because he doesn't have magic powers himself. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah, Norman Osborn, Maddie Franklin, and a few other characters were all participating in this ritual that required five people. Remember the rest? And it was sort of, yeah, I think I can, Madam Web. Yep. Uh, the supervillain Overlord, Overload, or over, Override. Override, yeah. Yep. And a, a 
and a bald merchant. Yes. Yes. So how did that guy get the lottery? Like, doesn't that seem like? Oh, uh, he was he was an antiques dealer. Oh, I know, but it just didn't feel like he like kind of won the lottery there. Like he got these superheroes and like these characters participating in this ritual. And oh well, one guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Maddie Franklin also was just a, a yeah no, a nobody young girl at the her time. too yeah. Anyway, uh, so this this magical ritual was a bit like a Russian roulette in which randomly determined. One person would receive the gift of death, which would presumably kill them. Mm-hmm. Uh, one person would randomly receive the gist, gift of madness, and these were kind of the two jokers in the deck. One person would receive power, one would receive immortality, and one would receive knowledge. So your odds were better than even of getting a good outcome here. Yeah. But uh, in the sort of classic uh, monkey's paw routine, where nothing is as it seems, every one of these had... Uh, a non-straightforward result. The gift of immortality, uh, uh, which was given to Madame Webb... She became hot. No. She, at the time, she dropped dead. Oh, it was right and afterwards. She, after, a little bit later, yeah, she came back in a young body. That's right. And they, that's, they faked everyone out first. Yeah, they faked everyone out first. Right. But it seemed that she had received the death when, in fact, she had received the gift of life. Eternal life. Which lasted how many years until Craven killed her? Uh, about 12. Okay, so eternal life lasts 12 years. <laughs> Thanks, Marvel. Well, she had lost her youth long before that, though. So it lasted 12 years then, yeah. I mean, she, her not dying, yeah. Eternal she, life lasted less than 12 years. Yeah, it's pretty shit. Yeah. Okay. So um, the merchant immediately started uh, foaming at the mouth and babbling incoherently, and everyone assumed that he had received the gift of madness. But he then later turned up in uh, Maddie Franklin as Spider-Woman when she got her own spin-off title. As a supporting character, he had received the gift of knowledge, infinite knowledge, which was too much for him, his brain to handle. Mm-hmm. And now he became sort of a madman prophet. And whenever Spider-Woman needed a, uh, a clue on her latest caper, she would check in with him, and he would give something suitably Yoda and cryptic-like. Hmm. Um, Norman Osborn appeared to receive the gift of power. Power, yeah. And he took this to go kill Super- Spider-Man, and it ended up being a fake-out. He had received the gift of madness, and this was all in his head. I love that last page of that, that spectacular issue where he's got Spider-Man's body, and he's just like, I finally won. Yeah. And then you get to the next issue, and he's just laughing, and then you see he's on, he's on the ground, just webbed up, just freaking nuts. Yeah. So the gift of inconceivable insanity also has a limited shelf life because it wasn't that much later that he was running S.H.I.E.L.D. Actually, uh, I will actually speak to that. They directly address that. Oh? Uh, yeah, these Squires and uh, Donald Menken and people that he was involved with came up with something to basically he had to take pills. If he didn't take the pills, this uncontrollable madness would come up. Okay, so, so at least they paid attention to continuity. They did treat it. But that still says that modern pharmaceuticals Trump ancient mystic power. Yes, but at least it was addressed. It was addressed okay. in the Spider-Man Revenge of the Green Goblin <laughs> miniseries. Right. Um, who's left? Uh, the one-note supervillain override uh, received a tingling sensation, which he assumed was the gift of immortality, mm. or possibly knowledge. Oh, one, yeah. one of those two. Uh, but it turned out he received the dis- gift of death, which was a low, long, lingering death, in which he burned up from the inside out and became the villain Shadrach, who oh, Spider-Man yes. fought once 
and then he went on to appear again in Spider Woman's book. Oh, he he showed up there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's something else. Whatever I'll happened tell you with his wife? That. I'll I'll tell you in a, in just a minute. Okay. Um, so Maddie also received uh, apparently nothing at the time, which they thought maybe meant knowledge. Maybe she'd grow into it or something. Uh, that makes sense. Why not? Well, because nothing appeared to happen right away, yeah. and they were a bit clueless. But it turned out that she had received the gift of power, in which she could fly and was super strong and pretty durable. Pretty durable, I guess. That that's all it seemed to be at the time. So, of course, when you can fly, that speaks to spiders to me, right? <laughs> So get yourself a spider costume. Well, she loves Spider-Man. Spider-Man went, went missing for months, so she decided to fill the void. Yes. I agree it doesn't make a lot of sense. Plus, honestly, that's not a lot of power. Like, mm. would you feel kind of gypped if you're like, you got immeasurable power, but you're not that powerful. Yeah, you're not like sentry power. No, you're, you're not even... You're not beyonder power. You're not even like uh, thing-level strength. Like, Yeah, she lost fights all the time. Yeah. Um... So I guess her other notable, uh, the big thing that, the ruckus that she caused before leaving for her own spinoff was that uh, when Spider-Man did come back, she tried to make out with him. Yep, that's really upsetting. It's Yeah, depends who you ask. How old is she? Isn't she like 15? Yeah. Yeah, that's why it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. And anyway. it was on the cover too. Yeah. Uh, were, it also, it also looked that. a little bit like Spider-Man was making out with himself. Yeah. Because they were both wearing identical Spider-Man costumes. Yep. Now that's a bit more upsetting to me. I yeah, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll say that. Self-sessed like that, yeah. <laughs> it works when Deadpool does it. Okay. Next. <laughs> Lady Deadpool? You didn't read keep, that? Keep going. Okay, so she got her own spin-off series, which is to Marvel's credit. So she wasn't completely forgotten right away, but her, the art in her comic wasn't great. Um, she suffered, she had an interesting idea where the first 12 issues, she was struggling to find a costume that she would stick with. Mm -hmm. And every one or two issues she would stick with, she would turn, uh, change to a totally new costume design, which is a cool idea. It's an innovative thing that you hadn't seen in other comics before. But that's not how you build a fan base. And it's realistic. Yeah. It makes sense that a young teenage girl wouldn't be able to settle on a costume right away. It's true. But you're right. That's not how you develop a fan base not at all and who does she live with oh yes she lived with j jonah jameson mm -hmm. which had was ripe with potential you get the same sort of love-hate relationship that peter had Even, except yeah, living it's... in her own house not she wasn't relying on him as a boss she was relying on him as a father figure yeah and there was there was so much potential for uh, a loving relationship in the household but at the same time the conflict that would come from him uh, not being a fan of, of her superhero persona. Yeah, because he hates spider-related characters. No, yeah. it's a great concept. They didn't do much with it. Yeah, it. Well, there was a couple of interesting. They did do in, some in with that. It. In that, but it got ended before they could do much with it. Yeah. Um. There. It also suffered from lack of interesting villains. Yes. There was a couple that were cribbed right away from the Spider-Man comics. The first being Spider-Woman. Three or four, depending. Uh, we were just talking about this before we started the podcast. Spider Woman as Maddie Franklin was introduced at the same time as Spider Woman Charlotte Weaver, who was a uh, created by Doctor Octopus. I don't think it's ever really clear if he grew her from a test tube wholesale or if she was a woman that he abducted and brainwashed and gave powers. Yeah, to. Yeah, and but she was she was what the granddaughter of Madame Web. 
And she, oh, she was related well, to her. Okay, so I guess she she did kidnap her then. Yeah, because there was a there was a relationship between those two. Mm. I can't. I think it was that they were. Yeah, I think that's about right. Well, in any way, uh, he had mutated her into uh, the new Spider Woman that was going to kill Spider with actual spider limbs. Yeah, she had four spider like limbs that could sprout out of her back. And uh, she also had the ability to steal the powers of other spider women. That's right. Which is a very specific power. And yes, I wonder it if it still would have worked after Julia Carpenter changed her name to Arachne. <laughs> would she still have been able to steal their powers? That's a good question. <laughs> or would it have applied to anyone with vaguely spider-like powers? So should, would Ricochet she... have been able to... Because his were... Vaguely. Yeah, should, could she have stolen Someone. powers from Scarlet Spider? Yeah. Because he has the spider name? Yeah, maybe. It's an interesting question. Anyway, so she was the very first uh, enemy to fight Spider Maddie Franklin, Spider Woman, yeah. in her own comic book. I didn't care for that. Well, and it also resulted in Charlotte Weaver losing the powers that she had stolen. So Julia yeah. Carpenter got hers back after a few issues. They gradually came back. I think Julia was originally going to be uh, a supporting character in Maddie's book because she was being a private eye at the time, a detective. Julia, Julia was? Julia, yeah. That's it's strange that that's, like, that's Jessica Drew's job, where they were having yeah. Julia do Unless it. Unless I'm having a total brain fart on this. I don't think But I think it was Julia, because I believe I remember uh, Jessica leaving right away, and Julia sticking around. Yeah, no, I think you're right there. And, uh, and she was going to be a supporting character, and then a few issues into the miniseries, she abruptly got her powers back and left. Yep. And that stinks of editorial decision to me that saying, no, we want her to be a supporting character in Miss Marvel or wherever it was. Wherever it was at the time. I still give credit that, yeah, that Spider this Spider Woman title still lasted, what, 18 issues or so? Or is it more? Uh, I think it was actually 13. Really? I, I think she got, en- she ended right after the one year mark. Oh. And it was a shame because I, I do remember it was the 12th issue that she got her permanent costume in. And it was actually a pretty cool design. I gotta say, it was a little bit reminiscent of Ben Riley's almost, but reversed in like a negative. Okay. Um, and so she got her cool new look that she was gonna keep going forward, and they had been building up to this costume's debut, and it only lasted two issues. That's sad. Yeah. Well, it, it's sadder more also because like you're trying to build a fan base, people are starting to buy into this, people are buying the book, and then you're just wow. axing it. I, it, I that being know. said, it, it was during the bankruptcy period of Marvel, so I mean, yeah, it, there's a good reason. It's not but... hard to see why they decided to kill it. Um, and as I was saying, a part of the other reason was the villains, or lack thereof. So she had her enemy, Spider-Woman, which is already going to be kind of confusing. Uh, if, if she was going to be a reoccurring nemesis, mm-hmm. that Spider-Woman's greatest nemesis is also named Spider-Woman. Herself. <laughs> yeah, so she would have had to come up with a different name eventually. Uh, and also Maddie had, when she beat her the first time, taken Charlotte Weaver's powers. So periodically you'd see Spider Maddie would grow, uh, spider legs out of the back. I I do do remember that vaguely. Yeah. And, you know, I always, and I always kind of thought spider legs would have been kind of a cool different way for her to get around town that's not, you know, Spider-Man's webbing. Yeah. Because she didn't have the ability to make webs right away. No. Did she uh, ever get webs? She had Jessica... Not Jessica... Uh, she had... Julia Carpenter? Julia Carpenter's webs oh, her for webs. a while. Yeah. Oh, okay. But then Julia took them back. 
I like how I'm going to take my sidewalks back. So she had legs, spider, giant spider legs to crawl around town on. Okay. Except that she could also fly, so who the fuck cares? Yeah, that's <laughs> She can just fly where she needs to. Uh, it looks like it did last 18 issues. Son of a bitch. Yep. You're right. Okay. And I am looking at the cover of Spider-Woman 18, so that well, looks okay, like... Well, okay, so that's a year and a half. It so actually looks a, a lot better. like um, uh, 2099's costume. Like, it kind of reminds me of, in terms of the, the yeah. color tones. Okay. I uh, See, I was thinking of it, it looked like Ben Riley's costume, but a photo negative of it. No, you're right. Where red is black and black I is red. I think more the, uh, the ca- kind of the, the underarm, underarm kind of... It looks like a cape a little bit. Yeah, it reminds me more of uh, 2099's, but yeah. no, I think it kind of looks like both in different ways. Yeah. Another thing that hurt this comic was the art. As you'll notice, a little bit below there, you'll see Maddie's face. That's terrible. She's supposed to be a 15-year-old girl... In the face, she looks like the that ambiguous twenties something that all comic book heroines are. Yep. And her hair. Yeah, I don't know what that is. is. Why does she have a smiley face in her hand? I don't know what's happening. I, I don't know. It, it doesn't look. I read this not that long ago, and I don't know. Okay, Bart Sears is a good artist. This is not his best work. Yeah, it gets worse when you open the comic too. Oh, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just stick to the cover. It's weird. Sometimes she looks 15. Sometimes she looks 30. That's unfortunately... It jumps, it jumps back and forth between them. Artists don't know how to draw that, that middle space. Yeah, and it's particularly painful because she uh, started going to an all-girls school. Oh. And so some scenes, she it, it looked like uh, that movie with Drew Barrymore where she was a 30-something uh, reporter. Never been, never been kissed. Never been kissed? That Yeah, thank you. My wife loves it. It looked like that. It looked like she was an adult woman trying to sneak into a teenage girl's school and passing herself off as a teenage girl. That's really unfortunate. Yeah. Well, I've talked about Maddie long enough, well, I think. What was what was her kind of ignoble end? Oh yes, that's right. Because that's should always, pretty important. We should always mention that. So during it was Spider Island or the lead up to Spider Island during Actually, the resurrection go of back before Craven. that because oh. it was also bad. Oh, that's right. She showed up in Alias, basically being used as they're getting like scrapings off her for MGH. Uh, which was yeah. a very which makes no friggin' sense, by the way, because her powers are magic, yeah. not mutants. Yeah, so it doesn't make any sense. But the one good thing I liked about that was we finally got some J. Jonah Jameson wanting to know where his, you know, his adopted daughter, his adopted was. daughter yeah. was, because she's never been mentioned since then, as in terms of relation to him. Um, so that was really cool. This we finally got a little bit of that. What is Jameson like as a father? Actually, you know, I don't think she was adopted daughter. She was his niece. Was it his niece on Marla's side? I think. Oh, okay, that makes sense. But like, this is a relation of his, and he's he's concerned about her. She's disappeared, and uh, and that storyline also had Jessica Drew in it, I believe. It had all the the spider all the spiders, in it, yeah. really. So yeah, it, but it killed off. Uh, oh, sorry, no, you're talking about Alias. Yeah, I'm talking about Alias. Yeah, yeah. So I think I remember before it was later revealed that she was still alive. It was implied that she maybe been chopped up. Yeah, to it was, make it was MGH. gruesome. I mean, that was a Max comic, so this wasn't necessarily out of the realm of what they might be doing, but I found it was kind of upsetting. because and even like, if it's scrapings, that's still a pretty horrific sight. Yeah. Because you don't know where they're scraping it off or from. No. It's at least torture. Creating a drug off of her body. Yeah. Like, it's not like they're taking samples of blood or something relatively no. clean like that. So, somehow she survived this trauma. Thank God. And I think kept trying to be a superhero, even if it wasn't on panel anywhere. I think she showed up in Loner's. Um, oh, okay, so she had a support group, as someone should. At some point, I think she kind of almost had a relationship with uh, uh, Ricochet, and I think she was working for someone trying to find out what had happened to Hornet. And there's some more untapped potential of what could have been. Yep. 
That so, would have been a great comic couple. I actually totally forgot about that appearance at all until we started talking about that guy. Forgot that she was even e- there. Except that it also might have eventually looked like Spider-Man making out with himself <laughs> again, again. Oh God! Uh, so wh- where is her, her so, end? So just prior to Spider Island, um, I think was when it happened. Uh, yeah, Grim Hunt. The, the Grim. Was that the name of it? Grim Hunt. Grim Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Grim Hunt, the storyline. You'll notice, by the way, as we're talking. Adam is the repository of all the specific nuances. I'm I'm more of an idea man myself. <laughs> I do what I can. So uh, he'll correct me on on issue numbers and things like that, and and I don't keep track of who the artists and writers are most of the time either. Mm-hmm. So during the Grim Hunt, um, this is again I think a, a case where the death list rears its head, where they needed someone to die. A spider-related character. A spider-related character to di- was going to die. Yeah, and they called the list, and they saw who was at the bottom of it, and it was Maddie Franklin and Madame Web, and nobody bothered to check that Madame Web was supposed to be immortal. Nope. Uh, <laughs> no one cared. Well, she'd already been made old, like long early years earlier, so everyone forgot. Yeah, that this. was some rapid aging. That would if, not have been pleasant to live through. <laughs> no, like if they just kept her young. And she was, I think, still on her life support stuff, too. Can you imagine waking up every day and seeing yourself having aged a year? Oh, that's, every day. That's horrific. Yeah. So, uh, the, to bring back Craven the Hunter, um, they were going to need to perform a, a life swap, I guess. Which is a... It's good. It's better than just, uh, you know, killing off some random ninja or something to bring back Elektra. Yeah, or Doc Ock was brought back the same way. Killed off some ninjas. No, they killed off Stunner. Oh, Stunner, that's right. Poor Stunner. Poor Stunner. Oh, we should... should add her to the runners-up list. Yeah, she'll be on the honorable mention I'm, list. I'm just going to make up... Uh... Poor girl. Poor Stunner. She was a virtual reality construct. Well, no, she was in a VR rig. Yeah, she, sorry. She was an overweight woman who fell in love that's with That's what Otto. I mean. But I mean, like, the Stunner we knew up until that point was photons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because she punched people. Yeah. And she's not real. Which speaks to the strength of this this spell, that you can sacrifice a VR construct and it'll kill the person in the machine. That's pretty strong. It's like it's like the Matrix. When you die in the machine, you die in real life. I forgot all about that. That was actually really sad when she died. Because mm. that was the one thing that actually made Doc Ock care. Yeah. So, anyways, go back to. Uh, but the, it won't stop him from flirting with MJ, uh, No, with Aunt May. He loves that old lady. Yeah, she has a nuclear power plant. I'd want to flirt with her too. <laughs> Can I have your nuclear power plant? Anyway, so Peter should have it now, right? Or I think it sank. The island. It sank. was an island. I think it was on an island. I think that would cause some problems if a, <laughs> if a nuclear power plant sank. Into something the ocean. happened. They had to get off the island because something bad was going to happen. Oh, jeez, man. I gotta go back and read this. Somewhere out there. I wonder I think, if Namor's pissed off. I think Horizon Labs should be like, Hey, Peter, we found out that apparently you have a you have a, like, a facility. We should probably do something about this. <laughs> You're rich. Uh, well, but wait, why would Peter own it? Isn't Aunt May? Uh, she did die, so he would have inherited it the first time, but I guess she came back. This is a this is a job for She-Hulk, for Jennifer Walters. Yeah. There needs to be a, a legal precedent set. For uh, what happens to a person's will after they come back from the dead. Or if they don't... Can they reclaim well, their techni- property? Well, technically she never really died because it was an actress with DNA injections. Yeah, but legally like speaking, there was a death certificate put There out. was, but technically it was erroneous because the actual anime was not, never dead. <laughs> Comics, everybody! Touché. <laughs> okay. So, back to the Grim Hunt. <laughs> yes. 
Um, to test it, the the procedure. Yep. They needed one sacrifice, and they were going to bring back the body of Craven's son. Uh, what's his name? Alexei? No. It's not Aloysia. It's, it's not, I guess it is. Vladimir. Vladimir. Vladimir Craven. The Grim Hunter. The Grim Hunter, who, who was killed by Kane. Yeah. Who was in the storyline. Yeah, so they were going to perfect the, the procedure, and I guess it was smart that they did, because he came back as a lion. <laughs> yep. I don't know how that happened exactly. Yeah. Weird stuff happened there. <laughs> yeah, but he came back as a lion man. So if his secret fantasy was to be a furry, maybe this was some wish fulfillment for him. I don't know. God. But uh, I'm glad that they brought him back just to have him mentioned because he's yeah. he's another character from the black hole of the clone saga that is was verboten for so long. Oh yeah, it was interesting. He he first made his first appearance in like Spider-Man 50 and I think he died like six issues later. Like he was not around long. He was not a popular character. No, he wasn't. Because he was another he was sort of like Lady Octopus in a way in that he's a new Sort of a relaunch on an old character. Oh yeah, they did tons of those in this period. Doc Ock and Craven were both dead, yeah. and they both got new. Like this is the new Doc Ock, and this is the new Craven the Hunter of the '90s, and they have more technology, yeah. more '90s style. Like she had purple, ha- spiky hair. Oh yeah, and he had well uh, a ponytail. At least their original characters were dead. Remember Scorpia? Yes. Yeah, Scorpion wasn't even dead, and uh, we needed the Scorpia. Was that an attempt to replace him? Uh, well, he wasn't really being used, and he, he had recently been beaten senseless Oh, in Spectacular Spider-Man 200 and... That was the last appearance before Scorpio showed up? Uh, yeah, at that point, mm. yeah, 215, 216 of Spectacular well, Spider-Man. yeah. And that was not a highlight. Thankfully, Scorpio didn't go anywhere. Nope. So And Scorpion then came back a couple years later, and, and, and got one of the costumes you love, so yep. it worked out okay for him. Yeah, thank goodness. One of the few. Oh, man. So, uh, how many, how long do you think until we see a female rhino? Uh, or a hip young rhino? Oh, actually, I guess we saw that. We kind of saw we that. We saw a rhino, too. Yeah. He was, he was cybered up. He was. he had an axe. He was very 90s, yeah. Yeah, Everything about the him. modern era. Yeah. You think that was intentional? You think they did that on purpose to make us hate him so that we cheer rhino on when he kicked the crap out of him? I think so. Uh, yeah, because I don't think they had any real... Int- I think their intention was always to bring back the real Rhino. Hmm. Well, so a tip to any aspiring writers. If you want to make a particularly hated villain, do all the <laughs> the things that the 90s told you not to do. And, yeah, and then have the, the original villain beat the crap out of that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they kind of did that even in the 90s with uh, when they brought back the original Hobgoblin. But they, the first thing he did, zip, and uh, disintegrated uh, Jason McIndale. Yeah. The first thing he did... He's back on the scene. First thing he does, kills the other one. But Jason McIndale's not dead, is he? Now he now he's back, but that doesn't make any sense. Oh, okay. Like, well, <laughs> comics. Okay, comics. We got to we got to wrap up Maddie Franklin so we can yes. move on here. Yes. So after, I'm not sure if Madame Webb was the sacrifice for uh, for Vladimir. Okay. Or if it was Maddie. I feel but, like it was Maddie. But one of them died to bring back the Lion Man. And then the other one was killed to bring back Craven himself. And the goal for that, to bring back Craven, was... What did they think he was going to do for them? I think he's just going to unite the family and they're going to hunt Spider-Man and kill him. 
and reclaim honor. You know, it wasn't really. Yeah. It was very murky what their real motives were. Yeah. It wasn't the greatest storyline. Like it had that, a lot of good build up, but it didn't really. Well, it felt weird. Yeah, there were there were some flaws, but it was a good storyline overall. Overall, I'll say I enjoyed it, but yeah, there's some little pieces. But it ended with Craven and his daughter, who I would have thought would have been the least popular of the Craven spawn. An- oh, Anna Craven, yeah. Yeah, and the two of them hunting Aloysia in the Savage Land. Yep. Right? That happened. And that's where he is still to this day. I think I saw him hunting... Was it Hulk? Somebody else was yeah, in the Savage Land. Yeah. Craven's still there. Anna... Um, he, he, he showed up in the Venom comics, right? Uh, he went to the Savage Land. Was it Venom? Yeah, the the, the uh, Flash Thompson Venom. Okay. Well, I know that Anna fought Scarlet Spider in Houston. Which, by the way, I just want to take a quick aside uh, as something, if any writers or Marvel editors or anyone are listening, something that has to happen. Now that we have Flash Thompson, a legless Flash Thompson wearing the Venom symbiote, and a legless Cletus Cassidy wearing Carnage symbiote. Wait, he doesn't have legs? Well, he has robot legs. When did that happen? Sentry tore him in half. I didn't realize they actually went back and explained it. Anymore. Yeah, he was up there in space, got really? torn in half. And he lived? He lived through it. Wow, that guy will not die. Yeah. <laughs> that guy can survive anything. You can survive being torn in half? In space? And of all the people who, you know, they, they won't give robot legs to Flash Thompson, war hero, nope. but they'll give robot legs to multiple serial killer Cletus Cassidy. Yeah, that guy should be on death row like eight But years they gave ago. him robot legs because it was inhumane to let him go around legless in the Marvel What? Universe. Okay, I don't even want to talk yeah. about this. Anyway, let's get rid of the robot legs for a second. Okay. Let's assume that the superheroes do the right thing and take them off Cletus Cassidy. Okay. And he and the symbiote just makes symbiote legs for him the same way that the Venom symbiote does. Okay. Okay. Venom versus Carnage is a classic matchup that hasn't happened yet since uh, Flash Thompson took the symbiote. Not true. Oh, the, in the Minimum, minimum Carnage? Minimum Carnage. Okay, so happening. it's happening right now. Yes. Okay, so I really, really hope that like a sonic bomb or church bells or something goes off, and in the midst of their death battle of Venom versus Carnage, they're at each other's throats, they get knocked down, and they lo- both lose their... Both of their symbiotes are incapacitated, and it breaks down into a... Two-man legless cripple fight. Oh, my God. That needs to happen, man. Yeah, that'd be interesting. And it'd still be on even footing. Because the yeah. one man's a war hero and the other man's like like Hannibal Lecter. So they'd, you still wouldn't know who would win. There's no, no clear advantage. No, there isn't. It'd just be the two of them hobbling over and at each other's throats again, trying to There's throttle each really other's. not right there. It's interesting visual, but it's kind of messed up. I just... I can't... I can't put away okay. the fact that the both of them have wound up on legless. I posts. didn't know that though. I didn't, I didn't know that he didn't have that he had robot legs. Oh yeah, so that I learned, happened. I learned something. Well, okay. So I think that's all that needs to be said about Spider Woman. Please tell me that your next pick is not from the Spider Man universe. Totally is. Oh, sorry. Okay, who supporting is supporting cast? Really quick. Okay. Uh, in the just after the Clone Saga ended, up until uh, I'm thinking. Basically, the, the relaunch into uh, Amazing Spider-Man and uh, Spider-Man number 198, we had this brief window where they brought back the Stacy family. And I always really liked having Arthur Stacy as a, kind of filling the void that Captain Stacy used to have this older, older, you know, not cop anymore, but an older PI who kind of 
Didn't know how he was, if he should trust Peter, Spider-Man. Was wondering how he was, how he was involved in Gwen's death. I don't know what took him so many years to come over and investigate, but uh, he was this kind of somewhat antagonist, but also a protagonist. This guy that Peter could turn to in, in certain times, especially when the bounty was on his head. Uh, there was also Jill Stacy, who was a potential romantic interest, even though he was married at the time. They were kind of playing up that she looked a lot like Gwen, and she was, but she you know had her own personality and her own kind of. They actually made her into a character on her own. She also had a friendship with Mary Jane uh, when she came. Like she made friends with her and Peter. I just really liked the character, uh, and also uh, Paul. Was it Paul? I think it was Paul Stacy. He was just basically the jerk brother of Jill. Didn't like Peter. Didn't like Spider Man. And he had he was uh, racist against mutants, wasn't he? Yes, he's, he uh, briefly fell in with the Friends of Humanity when they bled into the uh, Spider Man books. Mm. Uh, we never really see these characters ever after that point. Um, I really liked them because it was it was an interesting constant reminder of of Gwen, but not in the typical way that we usually see the reminders of Gwen. Usually, it's him being like, "Oh, it's an Weeping anniversary at, the, at a graveside." Yeah, yeah, but this was more like him trying to move on and still enjoy his life and helping this family move on that really missed the, this part of their lives because they didn't just lose Gwen; they also lost Captain Stacy, who was I guess the, the older brother of Arthur. Uh, so no, it was always an interesting dynamic between these these three characters. Uh, and Peter Parker and as Spider-Man because he did encounter all of them as Spider-Man. Uh, there was also a what um, an issue where Uatu kind of show, showed up and you kind of had the idea that if certain events had gone differently, Peter might have ended up with Jill. Um, mm. And I think that was when... Actually, I apologize. I think uh, Jill briefly came back when Mary Jane was thought dead. Um, but uh, this is ancient history for Spider-Man now because... These characters just don't exist. They have, they have never mentioned them since then, and they're just kind of out there in limbo. Well, well presumably Mephisto killed them. Oh, that's upsetting. That's more upsetting. But they could be out there. They're just interesting characters. Gwen still died, so everything that they kind of could mean is still valid. They can make them, bring them back, and have him, you know, have, not having met them before. And I would at least, if they're involved in the book in some way, I would like them because Spider-Man has an amazing supporting cast, and so many of the interesting players that have been cycled in over the years have disappeared. Well, you know what I would like to see done with them. What? In the same way that uh, Ben Riley's life was referenced. In uh, the creation of the villain Raptor, I think it was. Okay, yeah. Which was a novel idea of a way of, of creating a supervillain to be have a grudge not against Peter himself, but against Peter's clone mm-hmm. during a period of time when we didn't know what Ben Riley was up to. Yeah. Since Mephisto has gone and mucked about with continuity, and we don't really know what's what in this period of time. Yeah. Why not have Jill Stacy and? Arthur, Stacy, and them have had some sort of connection to Ben Riley instead of Peter. That'd be interesting. That'd be interesting. I, don't know, I think it would almost be problematic just because he looks like Peter and they know, like, they at least would have seen a picture of Peter because Gwen stayed with them when she had I, the demon spawn. I don't think it's as problematic as everybody thinks. No, probably because not. Because Ben Riley, like, well, no, 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 I mean, in the comics even, they treated a clone as, oh my god, you're identical. This is unnatural. As soon if anybody was to see the two of them unmasked in the same room at the same time, they'd like freak out. Unless one of them was blonde. Yeah. When in reality, a clone is a genetic duplicate, which mm-hmm. means an identical twin. People have identical twins all the time. Yeah. The fact that he has a different last name is a little weird, but you I guess could, it's more you the idea. You have to be. You could be Ben Parker if you wanted. That's true. Ben Parker Jr. I guess more, more the idea was that like he, he had just 
appeared one day. But then, again, that could still happen. You switched to birth. You honestly separated the, at birth. If if Peter was a clever man, and I know he's not, <laughs> what they should have done is sat down and invented a story about how they had had a falling out, however mm-hmm. many years ago. Yeah. And Ben Riley had gone to live with the Riley side of the family, and that's why he took the name Ben Riley mm-hmm. instead of ben, when he was born Ben Parker Jr. or something. Yeah. And now they've recently buried the patchet, and hooray, we can be brothers again. Yeah. And then you don't have to move away to another city, Peter. And you don't have to dye your hair blonde, Ben. I like the blonde. <laughs> it, it, it gave a different visual... Consi- like, oh, that's fine. If he wants to be blonde, he can be blonde. But all I'm saying is, yeah. you don't have to treat it like it's a soap opera where... Or Three's Company, where you're not allowed have to you be never in the read same Spider-Man? room at the same time. Spider-Man is a soap opera. <sighs> I know you don't like the soap opera aspect, but it's a huge part of the title's history. And the character. But there's such a simple solution to it. Yeah, I know, but it is what it is. Okay. So uh, those were mine. Okay, I'm going to get to my next pick then. Okay. So this is one... Anybody who happens to be listening from the role-playing social club will recognize the character... I'm sorry, what is it called? I'm calling it the social club. (laughs) Okay. It's my social club. (laughs) Okay. Um, Of Supergirl, uh, from... I'm not even sure what era I'd call this when she showed up. You're the Superman fan. Yeah. Okay, well... 2004? 2003? Something like that. This is not Kara Zor-El, and this is not Linda Danvers or Matrix. This is a short-lived Supergirl named Seer L, who uh, did have a human name, but I don't care to remember it. because wow. You really love this character, don't you? Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll explain. She showed up abruptly in one of the worst drawn comics I've ever seen, but <laughs> that didn't stop me from loving her. Did she have her own book? No. Oh. Uh, she showed up abruptly uh, in the middle of a time travel storyline in Superman comics uh, and announced herself as Superman's daughter from the future who had tra- traveled backwards through time to uh, something. Some mission that she had that she was very non-specific about at first. Um, and the initial fallout of this is that Lois Lane went crazy. Is that and what it, happened? Yeah, she... Uh, this was the, one of the biggest complaints that long-standing fans had about the character of Cyril was that it caused Wonder Woman to break down into a, a whole issue of being totally out of character. Lois Lane is a, is a thoughtful, rational woman, and if she saw... She's she's used she's married to Superman at this point. She's used to she's weird shit. She's used to worry, weird shit. Yeah. So if a girl who flies around in a cape shows up and says that she's Supergirl and she's Superman's daughter from the future, or, or that she's Superman's daughter, mm-hmm. there is no reason why Lois Lane would jump to the conclusion that this meant that Superman had had an affair with Wonder Woman, or is someone that, else. That 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 was her assumption. She'd assume it was an affair. She was at a loss as to who it was at first. She accused Wonder Woman as being one potential mother to, to Supergirl. I forget who else she might have accused. I hope she didn't accuse Power Girl or anyone else like that. Yeah. But in any case, uh, thankfully, this was put to arrest at the end of the issue when Supergirl showed up and uh, identified Lois Lane as her mother okay. in a very comic spit take that made Lois spit her coffee out all over the table. Oh, really? Yeah. That oh, was how the issue ended. That's good times. Yeah. 
And it really shouldn't have come as any surprise because physically she looks like Lois, um, which was the biggest departure from all the other Supergirls, is that this Supergirl wasn't blonde, she didn't have long flowing locks, and she didn't wear a costume that was basically like a Superman's with a skirt. I did like her costume. Yeah, she had a very original look, which is the reason for this podcast is original ideas. Mm -hmm. She had short black hair, she had a black unitard onesie sort of... uh, single-piece bathing suit sort of costume. Mm-hmm. And the S on her chest wasn't even the Superman classic logo. It was just a, an S shape that is more reminiscent of maybe the Golden Age Superman more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, and her cape, uh, depending on the artist, is sometimes white and sometimes blue. It kind of started out white and then changed to blue over the course of her history. I don't actually remember the blue one. Yeah, if you look at some of the later art, it changed to blue. Okay. I'm just trying to find the images as yeah. we speak. Anyway, um, we don't want dead air, so... Yes. I'll keep talking. Uh, she initially started out as having half of a Kryptonian power set, which means she was not as strong or n- and not as invulnerable, which is in keeping with other Supergirls and Superboy uh, in the past. Just being younger usually makes them half as strong. Mm-hmm. But notably, she was the first member of the Superman family who couldn't fly. She could only jump... Do do the great leaps over great leaps over tall buildings sort yeah. of thing. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, in her first one or two appearances, she was just leaping, hopping all over town. Wow! And I think that's a in on paper that sounds really good. You know that we'll get back to the roots of the Superman character where he jumped, not flew, but it made it kind of awkward in the comic. It didn't look very heroic to be hopping around all over the place, and Superman could fly faster than a speeding bullet. So it didn't make sense. It, it was just awkward to have her leaping slowly after him. That's and what she, she did. Was, she was always late to the scene, yeah. That's upsetting. So very quickly, this was just dropped from the character as a whole, and she started flying like any normal Kryptonian would. That's kind of how it happened in the original Superman comics, too. He yeah. was jump, jumping around, and then one day, he flew. Yeah. So maybe she just needed a bigger dose of yellow sun radi- uh, radiation. Who knows? I'd buy that, actually. But... Uh, then this was uh, changed. Well, I'll, I'll get to her, her ignoble end a little bit later. The other cool thing about her, I thought, was that she had the additional power of being able to release bursts of red sun radiation. Okay, I don't remember that either. Yeah, which... Man, apparently I don't remember a thing from well, this character. You're not a DC fan. I, so. read, I read a lot of these books because this is around when like we were first met, and I remember reading so I could... Mm talk to you about it I know, and I know you liked her so yeah I just don't remember a lot of those uh, yeah I don't remember well the and this the red sun thing was interesting to me because it's something that's only usable really useful against Superman not as his ally yes I know I see um, <laughs> so her moment of glory her biggest moment of glory really was in uh, what, what series is that from uh, um, actually not sure so far, it's only referencing her first appearances in the Superman the Tencent Adventure, which actually I remember. I did own that, and that's why I mm. knew about her. Um, she was in Superman Batman later on. Yes. Well, okay. Whether it was Action Comics or Superman or one of these. Or Adventures Or, or maybe all, it might have crossed over between all of them. There was a, a short storyline called Supergirls of Metropolis, where she teamed up with... Uh, Natasha Irons, who was then the the reigning character of Steel, mm-hmm. 
and Tracy 13, or Girl 13, as she was known at the time. And the three of them formed a very interesting dynamic in that both in powers and personality, mm-hmm. uh, Supergirl was obviously an alien, was her, or, or half alien, yep. and all of her powers were, were inborn in herself. Okay. Uh, but she wasn't particularly smart or savvy because she was from this future and everything was, was strange and foreign to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was a bit idealistic because she was Superman's daughter and that was her whole identity. Okay. Natasha was like an iron, being steel, was an Iron Man type character. All of her powers were in the suit and she was very savvy and smart. But she was perhaps the most vulnerable of the three underneath the armor. She was almost stabbed to death during this adventure. Oh, wow. I didn't know that either. Yeah, she was bleeding out inside her armor because a sword had penetrated through and and stabbed the human inside. Okay, wow. And she also had the cool ability to make her armor grow. And I'm not sure if that was like a pin particle type thing. Yeah, I remember seeing the hero click and I was wondering why she was gigantic. Yeah, she could switch between large and small size. And I'm not sure if that was because it was like the the metal itself was growing, yeah, or if the the machine had the ability to somehow add mass and strange and grow. So, um, and then the last is Tracy Thirteen, who is still around. Mm-hmm. She uh, became a supporting character in the Jamie Ray's Blue Beetles. She yeah. was his girlfriend for a while. I'm not sure if she I didn't, still is. I didn't realize she was a character around before Blue Beetle. So, oh, that was your first exposure. And then after that, uh, she had a backup story in Teen Titans prior to Flash, just prior to Flashpoint. In the Coven, really? Yeah, she was part of a group called the Coven of Three, I think. Oh, yeah. In which she was teamed with um, Zatara, uh, Zatanna's nephew, or cousin or something, and uh, and Black Alice. Oh, okay, that's kind of neat. And they were also an interesting trio, but that's an, another podcast waiting to happen, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when she was teamed up with Supergirl and Steel, though, they were the Supergirls of Metropolis. That's cool. And Superman was incapacitated by a villain, and it was up to the, these three rookie heroes to save the day. Mm-hmm. And this this storyline inspired me so much that I went around and turned it into an ongoing storyline in the role-playing social club. Really? So that has inspired at least like two years' worth of my wow. fiction. I guess I should just call it fan fiction. Call it what it is. I guess. Yeah, that's it's what it is, whether or not you play a hero clicks game about it. <laughs> yeah, I guess at the end of the day. Anyway, I've made some changes and taken it in my own direction because that's what the role playing social yeah. club is all about. But uh, the original was pretty interesting too, hmm. until they started to derail the character. Okay, and how did they do that? And this led to well, when they the fan reaction was negative, and they decided that this was not going to be an ongoing Supergirl. And instead, we were going to see a return of the original Kryptonian cousin in the Superman-Batman storyline to come. It's a shame. It's a shame. I also like Linda Danvers, so I was ashamed to see... I like Matrix, too. Especially the last Matrix story that they ever did was so good, because it was was pre-crisis. It was like Hmm. playing with... It was uh, called Many Happy Returns, and it has her switching places with the pre-crisis version of herself, Hmm. uh, of, of that Supergirl. Uh, I'll give it to you sometime to borrow. It's actually really, really enjoyable. But Excellent. yeah, I, I miss characters that push things differently. Yeah. And so this was another failure on the comics, on DC's part, by replacing an original interesting character with the old status quo that we all know. So we know why they do it, even if we don't agree with them, their yep. choices. But anyway, uh, so what they did, once they decided that Cyril was not going to be sticking around... Mm-hmm. Uh, 
was that first off they made she wasn't really Superman Star from the future. Oh. She was unfortunately she was a girl from the future named uh, Mia Mia Deer not Mia Deer. Uh, Mia Dearden. She's uh, speedy. Hang on, let me. I'll find it for you. Uh, you keep talking, I'll find her name. Okay. I forget her real name because I don't use it in my continuity. It's Mia. It's Mia. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, she had this. She was Mia in the future, and the Brainiac of the future, Brainiac Thirteen, mm-hmm. captured her and artificially implanted Kryptonian DNA into her genome. Oh, okay. Which effectively makes her Kryptonian. Yeah. There's no difference, but in comic book world, that that means you're not a real Kryptonian, so you don't have all the same powers. Hmm. You're not not, uh, as good. You're not good enough to be So you just pretend this didn't happen? In my continuity, she's actually Superman's daughter from the future. Okay. Or at least that's what's happening right now. Okay. Anyway. It's a shame um, that they would take that away because that's kind of that's what makes the character interesting. Yeah, and gives her a different perspective. Yeah, but that would have meant that Superman had had sex, I guess, and that's something that the kids he was married. The kiddies can't handle. He that. was already married, and it's a girl from the future. Yeah, like, it's not even like it's a girl from now. Yeah, like ugh, that's that's dumb. Yep, but it's I guess a- having her around, he was he would still be uh, compelled to act paternal. So? So we would have had Superman acting like a dad instead Superman of... acts paternal to everybody, except for the new 52 Superman, who's a bit of a dick. Yeah. Because he's younger and more brash. But... Well, and, you know, uh, comic fans with a brain in their heads can accept a superhero who acts paternal. Not Plus, everybody has to be a swinging young 20s guy yeah. like Peter Parker. Plus, Cyclops has a son who's older than he is. Yeah. And everyone's okay with that. <laughs> like, his, his son is much older than he is. But... But Scott Summers is still uh, Hale and Hardy. S- sleeping with uh, the, the slutty tramp of the team. Yes, he is. So he's young and vibrant. I guess. And he... relatable to all the young, hip young readers. But who... when they revealed he had an old son, he... Well, I mean, he's, he's, he's got a messed up history. He was married, and they had a son. And then he left his wife and his son. Okay, we're done for... with, we're done I, with Marvel, though. We're on DC now. I here. know. So... I'll have you know my next two lists, my next two picks are DC. Oh. Oh, that's good. Yeah, my, my, my top two picks are DC characters. Oh, okay. So take that. Okay, well, I'm going to draw this out, though, because I like Supergirl. I know you do. So, um, first off, yeah, she wasn't really his Superman. You mean Superman draw this out future. more, right? Yeah. <laughs> she uh, also would periodically switch from... She had the Supergirl personality, who believed she was Superman's daughter from the future. Okay. And then she would go through periods of time where she would switch into her alternate alter ego of Mia. Oh. Who... And this is, I think, just a misstep. Maybe this had potential in someone's mind, but I wouldn't have wanted to have read about this. Okay. Uh, the other, the, the civilian identity, what not only hated the Supergirl identity. Okay. Like, she did not like being a superhero. Okay. But she was the most crass, biker chick looking. <laughs> like, she had tattoos and piercings, and she dressed in black leather. Oh. And she cussed, and she fought. And she was just the most miserable person you would never want to meet in real life. That's a shame. Yeah. So, so they take a character you love, and they make her half into a, a basically a bitch. Uh, invalidate her origin, and make her half a bitch, yeah. Wow. And uh, That's pretty upsetting. Yeah. So, despite this, she survived the, that Supergirl storyline. She was still Supergirl for long enough to show up at the first run of uh, of the Superman Batman comic. Okay. Which was off to a good start and had yep. received lots of great reviews. Mm-hmm. 
And what was the name of that storyline? Uh, Public Enemies? Public Enemies, yeah. She was part of the team of characters that Superman and Batman had called together to storm the White House. Which that was marked, such a cool scene. Which marked the end of President Luther's presidency. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it was a fun scene for a lot of reasons. We don't often see the Superman family and the Batman family working together, together yeah. like that. It was awesome. And uh, especially when Batman and Superman themselves were pulling sort of a, a bait-and-switch, I guess, with That's their identities. Right. So they weren't actually in the picture at the time. No. It was the supporting cast doing all the work, which this is a fan theory that I've, I've said to lots of people over the years. Superman and Batman are great as iconic legends, but they tend to get boring when they have the spotlight in their comics. Mm. And in their comics, so that the comics will be the most interesting when you focus on the secondary characters, the, your Nightwings yeah. and your Supergirls and your Steels and your Robins. Because you can play up their iconic status without having to make them more real either. Like, having their spec- the specter of them is sometimes more interesting. Yeah, the specter of Batman can be creepy and intimidating, and you don't have to show him getting hurt, making mistakes, nope. or doing human things like eating or taking a shit. Uh, as far as I know, we've never seen Batman take a shit. But you know what happens. It's gotta happen. I guess it does. We've seen him... Get at a, at yeah. some point, Bruce Wayne, as suave and cool and James Bond as he does, <laughs> has to go and pinch out a painful shit. Wow. And that would ruin the Batman, the, this legend of the, the shadowy bat that well, haunts now Gotham. Well, now that that's all I'm thinking of, it ruins Batman it. for me a little. Yeah. That's all I'm going to be thinking about. And I'm sure at some point Superman, this perfect idealized man who saves the world, is going to eat a messy hoagie <laughs> and it's going to get all over his shirt. Uh. And he's got no superpower to fix that. <laughs> oh, God. So, anyway... This is a cool scene because it focuses on the secondary characters and they're using their team, their abilities, and they're not perfect. No. They have to help each other because they're not prep gods Batman and they're not do anything Superman. Yeah. So. This is her last story, right? This is her last, last-ish story. Does she disappear here? Because isn't it the next storyline bringing the real Supergirl? Yes. Because I actually don't and know. And she, she does. She does have one other appearance, but it's out of continuity, sort okay, of. Okay. So. Because I gotta say, like, I remember her being in the Public Enemies. But I don't remember anything after that. Yeah. This is the last uh, time she's in regular continuity. Okay. So she, uh, they storm the White House, and there's a beautiful scene where she and Connor Kent, uh, the Superboy, gets trapped inside a death trap that Luther had bit up. Okay. Built part of the White House's defenses, I guess. Okay. When you live in the DC universe, the White House has death traps. Awesome. <laughs> At least when Lex, Lex Luthor's there. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Don't piss off the president. Well, it, there's enough supervillains in the world that you'd think the White House should have security measures like that, really. I suppose, yeah. They get trapped in this in this little bubble, this metal, and it's, and it's shrinking in on them. And Connor makes the comment of, oh, why couldn't I be trapped in here with Power Girl? And Seer looks at him and goes, what did you say? And he goes, nothing. And it's such a brief moment, but it just grabbed something, spoke to something into me that these characters would have had so much chemistry together Mm -hmm. had they been allowed to continue on. Because she's not Superman's cousin, which would have made it like them blood relatives. Okay. Uh, She is quasi-Kryptonian at this point. Yeah. So... You could have even revived the race. Yeah, I guess so, right? If you wanted to. Yeah. 
or in some limited Adam and Eve sort of a way. You'd have a better chance than Superman and Lois. Yeah. she's got it in her. Yeah. So, uh, and actually, and this, this provided the, uh, the inspiration for all the writing that I've done, really, mm-hmm. is that they're both half Kryptonian. Oh, yeah. So they wouldn't be reviving the Kryptonian race. They'd be starting a new one. A new hybrid race. Yeah. Had they gone... Had we seen their future babies. Yeah. Of course, it being comics, we never would have had them get past second base. No, but so. we might have seen their future child come back. Yeah. Which she's already done, so... Or, or not done. Because that would have been an interesting recursion sort of thing, where the future child of the future child comes back. <sighs> Why not? We've seen it before <laughs> in other comics. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess with Franklin Richards. Yeah, and, that's and one. And Psylord to Hyperstorm. Yeah, yep. and... Um, Who are you and, thinking uh, of? Cable and his son, Tyler. I mean, he... Oh, yeah. He used yeah. to be younger. An and adult was, Tyler came an back. An adult Tyler. It happens. Well, that's weird. Okay. Yeah, it's strange. Well, anyway. So, unfortunately, she did disappear abruptly after that storyline. I don't think the Superman comics ever actually explained... No. ...where she went. I don't... I didn't think they had. I think it might... Well, they, they explained in the Superman comics that she was going to go back to the future and go back to being Mia. Oh, okay. But that was published before the Superman-Batman adventure happened. Mm. Nah, maybe just it still happened after, I guess. Yeah, it might have just been a continuity thing. But That's a shame. Anyway, the next time we did see her one last time, and it was, I think, also in Batman-Superman or maybe in Supergirl, okay. her own comic. But Bizarro, uh, to combat a cosmic crisis, gathered up a team of all the Supergirls. From oh. various continuities. That's kind of interesting. And no one really remarks on the fact that everyone's blonde except her. Oh. And that everyone's named Kara except her. The other Supergirls just kind of accept it. That Wait, she's Linda, got this... Linda wasn't there? Uh, no, Linda... Oh, sorry. Oh, she's still blonde. I know. I'm blonde. just asking Whatever. if she was there. Yeah, she was there. I'm not trying to correct her. I just want to know if Linda was around. But she's still wearing like a blue and red costume. Okay. Too. And so everybody looks... More or less the, the same, same, except, for this, except one. for this one. But they're all just cool with it. Huh. So they saved the day without ever really talking to her or or mentioning her person, her unique personality or anything. Yeah. And that's and then Bizarro puts her back in whatever continuity he found her in. That's a shame. And that's the sad end of Cyril in com, com, cosmic continuity. Okay. Comic continuity. So let's get to your number two. My number two. So it is DC. Uh, is actually uh, Christmas Allen. Because I always really liked the character. Oh, um, that's I, a surprise. I really, I just thought he was such a cool. It was nice to have. I mean, when Brubaker and Rucker were writing the Batman books, they really fleshed out the cops, especially um, uh, Rucker was doing um, Montoya. Montoya was huge under Rucker and Brubaker, and then Christmas Allen was this new new cop who's her partner, uh, replacing Bullock, right? I think, cause she was I'm not part- sure who her previous partner was. She did have Bullock as a partner, and he okay. he left the force after uh, Officer Down. And then you had Christmas Allen. Uh, the, where you really get a lot of Christmas Allen is in the relatively short-lived Gotham Central book, uh, which was a fantastic crime comic. It basically was Law and Order, but in the but more just not the law part or just the cop version basically, mm. but set in Gotham and just seeing how they operated. And the two breakout stars of that book were Christmas Allen and Renee Montoya. They had a great partnership. 
I was just really like seeing how they interacted. Uh, when he died, I mean, I read it after the fact, but it was extremely, like, extremely well done and very dramatic. And then he brought back as the Spectre, and I read some of his stuff as the Spectre. It was actually pretty cool. Uh, I always felt there was not enough done with him as the Spectre and really fleshing out more about, like, you have a, someone new bonded to the Spectre. And the fact that he was killed by someone named Jim Corrigan is an interesting kind of roundabout kind of... like. There's a lot of coincidences. Yeah. You know, he happens to get murdered by a different Jim Corrigan. Uh, you'd think the Spectre would be like, I recognize that name. Um, but, like, his entire journey from being this amazing cop, uh, this family man uh, who was not religious but his family was, and him confronting his, his issues with religion during um, Infinite Crisis when the Rock of Eternity blew up, um, and this kind of this end-of-days feeling and getting this bird's-eye view of Infinite Crisis... The character just had an interesting perspective. He was, when he initially came to Gotham, he didn't really believe in the Bat, or uh, working with Batman, he was very by the book, uh, whereas his partner, Rene Montoya, was someone who'd lived through No Man's Land, and they just had a great partnership, and I just always really dug the character. And then as Spectre, I, again, he was, there were some interesting avenues. I've never really been a big Spectre fan, and I never... You didn't believe in the Bat? Well, he, not that, sorry, he didn't believe in using the bat. Oh, okay. I thought it was like that urban legend thing. No, no. He, he definitely knew the Batman was around. He just, he didn't believe in, in, in tur- having to turn to the bat. And he's like, uh, and did you read Gotham Central? Nope. Oh, that's a, that's a glaring omission in your reading. I mean, that's, it's a, such a fantastic book. Yeah. Uh, and Batman, it's one of those things where Batman's more interesting because of what, because he's not the the main lead. Yeah, I, mean, I can he, believe that. Because he, because and the idea, like the first arc, is them having to try and solve cases with not and trying not to get waylaid by Batman, like and having kind of his shit come in. I mean, they're trying to do their own thing and do it by the book and you know be good cops, and then it's kind of a mess when you got Batman around. But at the same time, you might have Mister Freeze kill somebody, and then you're going to need Batman's help. Um, so Christmas was just an interesting lead, and then him is. I wish that we got more. I don't think we ever saw Spectre and. The question Renee Montoya ever meet? We did. Did we? Where'd yes. That, where'd that happen? In Final Crisis, oh. um, one of the tie-ins was Revelations. I thought. Oh, I okay, say, that's like that. right. I did see that. It was a three-issue thing that was very religious uh, based because you had uh, Renee Montoya as the question and her on again, off again lover. I want to say I don't know Batwoman. Batwoman on again, off again. Yeah, that's close um, enough. They were both involved. Yeah, and it was all about the church and people taking shelter in the church in the final crisis, you know, apocalypse on Earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, Christmas Allen, being the Spectre, showed up. And uh, there was also some sort of, like the Spectre is the angel of death or vengeance, yeah. depending on who you ask. But there was also another character who's an angel of mercy, and who also had a, a similarly a human host. That's right. And I'm not. I'm not an expert on this. I don't really know the whole story of who these people were. Okay. But it was interesting to get them all into the same setting together where they could meet and talk. And, and Renee and Crispus obviously had a history together. Yeah. I completely then, forgot about that because I own that. And, and I... then the villain of the whole thing is Vandal Savage, who is suddenly yeah. revealed to be the biblical Cain. Yes, that's of right. Cain and Abel. Who, that's cool. That's an interesting interpretation and all. And if the world is going to end, you know, Cain showing up is... Not a bad idea. Yeah. But you'd think that Vandal Savage, who remembers, you know, time immemorial, might have meant... Like, he's always bragging about, I was Genghis Khan, and yeah. I conquered the the Romans, or whatever it was he, that he did. Yeah. He's, he's done all these things. You'd think he might have me- mentioned, I invented murder. <laughs> yeah, you'd think so, yeah. 
That that is an odd. I you know I completely forgot about that miniseries. Oh, or just the fact that you know he can. He's both a cro uh, uh, a not a no. magnon. He's a Neanderthal. Oh yeah. So which refutes the Bible. Yes. But he's also Cain, which confirms the Bible. Yep. And uh, comics, everybody. Comics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's that's my tale of Christmas Allen. I first came to know him through Gotham Central, and then went read, went back, read some of his earlier appearances in the Bat books, and also read his stuff, some of his stuff as the Spectre. I always just really liked the character, and now ever since the New Fifty Two, he hasn't been around. Neither has Montoya, as far as I know. Um, well, I'm not excited to see Montoya. At least. I mean, I'm, as the question. Yes. I'm glad that we have a male question again. Well, he's not. doesn't look like he's Vic Sage, though. He's something else. Vic Sage might be a name that he's taken because he doesn't want to go around introducing himself as Judas. Or, no, sorry, not Judas. Who is he? Uh, 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 I can't remember. Stranger is Judas. Yeah. Who is... I don't know if they've said who the question is for sure. I'll have to check that huh. at some point. But, yeah, so I just... I'm, I, I hope that someday we'll see Chris Allen show up again. Um... But I mean, I, but at the same time, I almost hope he doesn't because I don't want to see a reimagined version of Christmas. I want to see the Christmas that I fell in love with. This older veteran cop who's been around, who's transferred in, who kind of gets used to working in Gotham. And unless it's in a Gotham Central type book, I don't even know if I'd want it. Well, I I prepare yourself for disappointment on a couple of levels. I, I know. Think, I don't think he'll just be brought in to be. To be killed, I just think he'll really? just be forgotten completely. I think, I think he'll be brought in as a background character as, like, we need some names for some Gotham cops, mm. and we've used Bullock and we've used Renee already, because they're the two that show up in the movies, and yeah. they're the ones that everybody needs to have around. You can't kill them off, really. Yeah. But Crispus will be there in the background, that it'll be a shout-out for the longtime comic fans, and then when... Uh, I don't know, Mr. Zaz needs to add a new no. mark to his body. Don't give people ideas. This is upsetting to me. <laughs> He's so cool. Actually, one, one thing I liked, uh, there was a, a crossover, in, uh, not really crossover, but there was a two issues of Gotham Central where they went to Keystone City. Hmm. And uh, they met up with uh, Marillo and Chire, the main cops that were in the Flashbook. Oh, that's and, cool. And they're like, you know, my name's Crispus Allen. It's like, Allen, like, oh, that's, that's a good cop name in this town. And uh, <laughs> and it was and because that was back when like no one knew who the Barry Allen Flash was anymore because that had already been wiped. But they but Barry Allen still had a legacy as being a CSI in the in the city. So it was just a nice. That nice, is that's you're making me want to read this comic. It was just a nice touch, and it was the, the arc was called Keystone Cops. Has it been collected? Do you know the entire thing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The entire. Do you own it? I own it twice. I own it in trades originally, where but some of the issues weren't in there. They, I have the complete trade run, but they just omitted some issues, and then they redid it again in hardcover, and I own that, which has the complete series. Oh. And then they have now redone the trades, uh, adapting what was in the hardcovers. Wow. But, uh, okay. I it, so I own it twice. Well, I'm going to borrow one. You're going to borrow sometime. one of them. So it was a really good book. So, hmm. What's your number one? Okay. Marvel or DC? It's DC. Okay. So, the way I got into reading DC comics... When I was a kid, I was watching the 90s animated X-Men TV show, like most of us were. Yep. Right? And uh, although I'm not a huge X-Men fan now, back then I thought mutants were pretty cool. Uh, mostly because I liked that both the good mutants and the bad mutants could team up against a com- common enemy like the Sentinels. Okay, yeah. And so I started thinking, like, I would learn who all the mutants were. And then I asked my dad, who was mostly collecting DC at the time, if DC had mutants. 
And he said, no, that's really a Marvel thing. But a couple of years ago, there was this annual, and it, it kind of had mutants. And he, I went back to in back home, and I dug through his archives, and I found what he was talking about. And it was this annual called Bloodlines, mm-hmm. wherein space monsters in, in D.C., uh, space monsters came to Earth to drain the spinal fluid from their victims. And they looked a little bit like the xenomorph from the movie Alien, except multi-technocolor. Like okay. There was a red one and a blue one and a green one and a purple I one. I didn't know they were multicolor. Yeah, they were color-coded, and they didn't all look exactly the same. Like, one of them had wings instead of arms, and... Eh. Anyway, after they could also shapeshift into a human disguise, too. But, more or less, they'd find victims, they'd grab them, they'd bite the back of their neck with a little tongue-mouth, just like the xenomorph had. Okay. Except it ended in a needle. Okay. And it would pierce your spine, it would drain your spinal fluid, and most people would die at this point, as you would expect them to. Yes. But DC does have its own version of the mutant, the X-gene, which it refers to as the metagene, mm-hmm. which I think just a year or two before they had brought into continuity in the invasion storyline, right? Yeah, I think so. In which the Dominators were trying to study and possibly extinguish the metagene or maybe take control of the metagene, something like that. Who knows? And they had a gene bomb that uh, had some control over this. But anyway, so every one in a hundred or one in a thousand humans has the metagene. And uh, being bitten by one of these space monsters would activate it. So every ish, every annual in all the various titles that DC was running at the time yep. had these space monsters running amok. And uh, this was served as a vehicle for the writers and artists to introduce a new original uh, character, which was yep. generally a heroic character most of the time. I think there was one or two villains introduced this way as well. It's interesting. Sorry, but, a quick interjection. I believe this was in 93... A year earlier, Marvel had done the pretty much like the same idea where they introduced a new character in every annual, and they had each one had a trading card. Oh, so and I believe this one either Bloodlines was either ninety two or ninety three, so it was either the exact same year, or the exact same time, or a year later. Hmm. So, what was Marvel's excuse to introduce all these new? Oh, characters? they were just bringing a new character. They wanted the, oh. the they, they decided that every annual would bring in a brand new character, and some of them were just would never be seen again. Most of them would never be seen again. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. I, was, I was reading an X-Men co- collection and this character showed up and I'm like, who the hell is this? So, okay, so maybe there's a conspiracy that DC's copying Marvel here. But... Or, or they're copying each other and they happen to pu- publish at the yeah. same time. I don't remember These the sort of things today. happen. Marvel Knight, uh, sorry, Blackest Knight, Marvel Zombies. Uh, maybe. Marvel Zombies happened first. Exactly. DC, oh. DC copied them again. I wouldn't have thought that, actually. No? No, I... No, I, I thought that when that happened. I thought... DC's looking at the sales figures and like, what's this hot new shit that Marvel's yeah. getting a ton of money over? I'd never thought of it that way. Marvel Zombies. What can we do with zombies? Huh. And I that, never... Yeah, I never, I never would have pieced that. I do uh, notice that Identity Disc and Identity Crisis, which is yeah. awful. That's just D, that's just Marvel not caring and being like... That was Marvel's taking DC's yeah, idea. Yeah, they're, well, the, not yeah. even their idea, just like the name. They wanted... There's yeah. this hot new thing. We want it to be on the stands right next to it. Yeah, and well, that one is even more believable because Identity Disc, as good as it was as a read, it was fun. It was it usual was suspects. not an original idea at all. No. It was just Marvel does the usual suspects, and not even like trying to make it different. It's just yeah, yeah. I could almost. I would like to see a series of comics like that of Marvel does the Goodfellas. Marvel does the, uh, 
The Matrix. You know, that would actually be cool if they actually pitched it that way. Yeah? I, I would buy it, because if... Yeah. It's one thing when you're... Marvel, Marvel does The Godfather, with the Kingpin as The Godfather. Okay. That would be fun read. That would be fun, yeah. No, a lot of that could work. Because, honestly, actually... If you admit the source material, people will accept that type of stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah, totally. But, but if it, you rip it off and you, you don't know, I'd like it. to pitch that to Marvel, because there's a lot of, of areas where... You know, over the years, everybody wants uh, wants to do a story in space. Everybody wants to do a magic based story. Yep. Everybody wants to do a mafia story, and they get polluted and clouded and muddy. And suddenly, you don't know who's running what in the ma- in yeah in Marvel or stuff. And it happens to DC too. And so, period, once in a while, you'll see a big miniseries where it's like we're going to clean this up. And Marvel did it in space with Annihilation. Annihilation, yeah. And it was very successful. Very much so, yeah. And DC did it in Hell yep. with uh, Rain in Hell, which was less successful, they but still did, a good idea. They also did it in space. Um, the Holy War stuff. I don't know if you were following any of that. I did, but it didn't clean up anything. No, well, it kind of cleaned up that writer's own messes in a prior miniseries. Uh, okay. But it was still it was trying to explain a certain area of space. Uh, and, and clean up the the Ran Thanagar stuff, which yeah. had been left re- very open after. The, I think it was mostly just Ran Thanagar, really, because yeah, it it brought in some other space faring species and stuff, but yeah. it left plenty a total mystery. True. A- anyway, uh, so where was I going with this? New characters? No, Mafia. But like, yeah, Mafia. No, yes. I was going to say they should do a storyline of the Godfather, inspired at least. Yeah. With Kingpin as the main character. That will finally lay down, you know, where Tombstone and Hammerhead and Silvermane and lots of Daredevil characters that I'm sure you can name that I have no clue who they are. Yeah. And uh, where all these guys fall in, like, who's allied with who, who's against who, who pays dues to who. We get that every couple of years. We used to. Marvel yeah? did. They haven't done it in a while. Because now we got the Mr. Negative, and like you have Shadowland just still exists apparently, and yeah. Kingpin's just hanging out with ninjas. Black Tarantula used to be a mob boss, and now he's Daredevil's lackey in Shadowland or something? Well, that was he, the last place I saw him. Yeah, he became his ally, and he was trying to repent, and that's less said the better. Yeah. So that needs to be done. I agree. They need to clean up that kind it of stuff. It needs to be a good like six-issue miniseries, and they need to be really clear about who's working for who. No, I agree. I, I think that would be really brings a cohesion to the street level universe. Yeah, it doesn't exist because the yeah. last the last thing that I can think of that was vaguely like that was the hood and his uh, yeah his coalition for um, siege. I guess it was uh, dark rain, dark rain, and then siege. Yeah, he led into siege. But yeah, no, that that I forgot about that. But yeah, he, yeah, he so kind that, of brought that everything was around. the underworld of New York laid bare but it was a very costumed everybody was in a costume there was no mafia goons in that no there weren't not really anyway yeah anyway good perspective so back to the blood pack because we really got off topic there yes so they were brought in as new blood so this is your pick blood pack yeah wow Uh, because this was my introduction to dc comics for one thing so it holds special meaning to me for that way yeah a lot of the characters were very 90s, and not and some of them were better fleshed out than others. The Blood Pack kind of comprised a team of the most of the best ideas. Okay. Um, if you go and dig through those annuals, and I have, a few of them were just like... I remember one in particular in the Hawkman annual. Okay. 
uh, introduced a character named, uh, not Mongoloid. <laughs> I want to say Mongoloid. I don't think it was Mongoloid. <laughs> no, it was, uh, what do you call a mixed breed dog? Uh, not, I, not mutt. Pug? No, not a pug. I'm sorry, I, I don't know dogs. <laughs> Shoot. Okay, so he's a something. He, he took his superhero name because he was half Asian. Okay. And half, I want to say black? I'm not sure. But anyway, because of this, he didn't fit in in either culture. Okay. And, um, and so he decided that that should be his superhero name, which okay. is a terrible idea. Yeah, that's Because not a it was idea. a vaguely offensive term. Um, I'm, looking for, I'm looking them up. You're looking them up? Okay. I'm trying to look them up so I can Thank get you. the name for you. Um, maybe there's a list, yeah. Okay, so, anyway, his power was just, I shoot blasts out of my hands. <laughs> that's it? Mongrel, that's it. Mongrel. Mongrel. Okay. What kind of a superhero name is Mongrel? A, a dark force blasting African-American Vietnamese hero. There you go, I was right, it was African. Okay, wow, that's a lot of stuff all in one. So, he was conflicted, I'm sure, about his mixed parentage, but as a superhero... Yeah. You just shoot beams out of your hands. That's what a most... Gen- like, you didn't try at all no. of this, making this character. And he didn't even wear a costume either. He was just like... Oh, really? Street clothes, yeah. Oh, that's a very 90s idea. Ugh. So I'm glad... So some of those... Leave it on the drawing board. You know? Okay. That didn't need to go on. But the blood pack was the best of the crop, or okay. the most interesting ideas anyway, um, which you are probably got on your list there, who was on the team. Blood pack members? Yeah. Yeah. What, Jade? Jade okay. was on there? Yes, Jade was not created in this no. event. She's Alan Scott's daughter. Okay. But she served as the team mentor. Okay. Because the uh, in thing at the time, I'm not sure when MTV's real world started. Early 90s. Early 90s, so around the same time then, yeah. So this show, this comic, made a reality TV show out of superhero comics. Okay. Before... Survivor or, or the boom yeah. of reality TV shows really happened. Interesting. So in between missions, uh, the characters were all living in a shared accommodations, and this house they lived in was filled with cameras, and they would have to give interviews, and oh. the cameras would spy on them. Wow, so that's kind of ahead of its time, or of the time, I guess. Yeah, it was almost like, like drawn together was to cartoons what this was to comic books. Interesting. Yeah. So, it's interesting because um, that's, that's a very common trope now. Like, now, yeah. It's constantly used. Yeah. I mean, in Guardians of the Galaxy, they did that. Uh, they just, uh, you know, them basically doing an interview, and like, it's a personal log later. But like, I heard about that, As a yeah. framing sequence. Yeah. It worked well, but because mm-hmm. so, it wasn't an actual reality show. Obviously, the New Warriors was a new reality show in one, in one of its incarnations that led to the Civil War. So it's interesting to see that this is kind of them yeah, pioneering. back in 93 or whenever this was. 94? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Pretty early. Um so Jade was their handler. Okay. She was not a superhero at the time, even though she still had her powers. She was trying to be a career woman, and uh, I guess she'd gone into television. Okay. Why not? Why not? Okay. Um, so, yeah. So she's there in name, but uh, she wasn't actually part of the team. Okay. The rest we have are Ballistic, who yep. I think was from one of the Batman books, who had uh, grown like organic armor all over him okay and he was an ex-military guy so he just he went back home and he had like a bunker full of guns oh and now that he had impenetrable bulletproof armor over all over his body yeah to a guy from the military you know if i was in his shoes i'd probably think wow i'm invulnerable i can just do whatever i want now yeah 
So he went out and immediately tried to take revenge on the monster that had attacked him. Okay. Uh, and then ended up working with, maybe, I want to say Azrael Batman or Robin or one of them. Okay. And, um, and decided to become a superhero. Yeah, he de- debuted in Batman Annual 17. Oh, there you go. Okay. He was also Korean? Yep. Oh, so he had... Korean-American. A lot of Asians here. Yep. Well, uh, because the next one is also Asian, Nightblade. Chinese-American. Chinese-American, yeah. yeah. Who had a Deadpool-like regenerative uh, factor. Okay. Better than Deadpool, actually. Because if you cut off Deadpool's arm, he's got to go pick it up and stick it to the stump, and it'll grow back together, right? Yes. Nightblade's regeneration was so crazy that he cut off his hand on camera... Just to show how his power worked, and it just grew back in the next panel. That did happen in Deadpool once. Oh, really? When he got a cr- even soup, more souped up a healing factor. Oh. Because they were like, it'll heal up anything better than it was before, and they cut off his arm, and it goes back. He's like, I'll be back in a second, and he wanted to go to the washroom. <laughs> Very Deadpool. Yeah. And I mean, maybe this, uh, maybe Blood Pack would have done better if it had had more snappy writing like that, I guess. Yeah. Being 90, early 90s... It feels 90s. It was almost like it was trying to pitch itself as a Saturday morning cartoon show. Okay. Because it was, we're the team, we're all on the good guys side of things, we're going to go out on missions and stop the bad guys, and then we're coming to come home and have tacos and (laughs) and hot chocolate or whatever. Okay. Um, So I was just looking up here, so apparently he survived Coast City's destruction, that was his origin in Green Lantern Annual number 2. Oh, Apparently he survived. Oh, okay. Just, that's I was cool. just doing a little quick reading while you're, while you're talking yeah, about it. Yeah, this was all... you got to remember, this was happening during the reign of the Superman and uh, the Asbats. Yeah. Nightfall, Night Quest stuff. What a weird year, eh? Yeah. Like, a monumental year. Quite important, but <laughs> good weird. Year, a good year to bring out new superheroes. Yeah. Everybody's confused. Yeah, we've already got four new Superman and one new Batman. Let's bring out some more. And a new Green Lantern is just around the corner. We've got Loria. Okay. Who is like a female colossus. And she's from one of the only annuals that I didn't read, so I don't know which one she came Showcase from. Showcase 94, number 12. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that's not even an annual. That's Yeah, we weren't collecting that at the time, I guess. Hmm, interesting. So, um, and we've got Geist. Who, okay. Okay. This is... Um, I remember thinking he was kind of a dumb character to have. Okay. And I don't know how he got on the sh- onto the blood pack as one of the... the best picks out of the blood out of the annuals because he's kind of similar to another character named who, argus who made, who made these picks was it just the whoever was writing it at the time okay i don't know, like, I don't know if it was an actual like voting process i, I was just... no i don't think so okay like was so, it actually by any kind you of had, real you had two similar somewhat similar characters with invisibility powers okay. that came out of bloodlines one was argus who actually got his own title for a little while wow really yeah maybe he should be put on our honorable mentions i don't know if you like him not really then no. He had eye-themed powers. Then we don't... If we don't miss him, then he's not in our <laughs> list or even honorable mentions of him. Okay, okay. But, so he it's had, in the title, favorite... Yeah. So forgotten. he had invisibility powers. Okay. That, you know, you think, okay, so that's good for sneaking, right? Yes. You can walk through a room and people won't know you're there because they can look right at you and they won't see you. Okay. Geist had the reverse of this. Oh. He had invisible invisibility powers... <laughs> Invisibility powers yeah. that only worked in the dark. <laughs> what? Yes. What? So if you got caught in a bright light, bang, you can see him. That's so weird. Yeah. So, so he's he, invisible he... when he's already hard to see in the dark. 
Wow, okay. And Argus at least had some other powers, like he had like X-ray vision or something, like yeah. he had vision-based powers. Geist, it was just the invisibility thing. He was just a ghost. And it looks like Geist first appeared in Detective Comics Annual number yes. six. I remember he he went. I remember he teamed up with Asbats during the brief period of time where Asbats wore gauntlets with the yep. spikes and stuff on his arms. Okay. But the rest of it was the classic Batman. Oh, still Batman. Suit. Yeah. Okay. Before so, he ruined it. Yeah. Um, well. Not ruined it. Ruined Sorry. it is subjective. No, I actually liked the first version of the armored costume of Batman, but as it got customized, the longer he was as Bats, oh, yeah? the more I became less interested. Because uh. you know how they, they started to change the, the helmet, became more and more like rounded, mm. and looked less like Bat, and, and then eventually... It, do you know why it turned red, by the way? No. Uh, because he was in a fire. And apparently it just he got out of, the, out of this fire, and suddenly instead of it being like a blue and gray, it was, it was red. Oh, wow. Right on the Asbats costume. No fire doubled as paint. <laughs> Apparently it does. I was reading it, I'm like, I don't understand why this just happened. Huh. But it did. So, so Geist's powers yeah. of invisibility are even crappier, because in his original appearance, yeah. he's, he's helping Batman fight these space monsters that I'm talking about. Okay. And the space monsters can see his heat. Oh, well, he's useless. Yeah, so his one power doesn't even work that against everybody. That's sad. So somehow he made it onto this show, and I remember in the very first issue of Blood Pack, yeah. the camera crew are complaining that the people at home can't see him using his powers. Oh. And they're like, well, why, do, why are you even on the show? We should just replace you with, we should just dub you in later. <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm a superhero. I'm helping stop crime. Like, well, yeah, that's very good and all, but it's not helping our ratings. Wow. So, yeah. Who knows how that would have progressed if the series had continued how long did the series continue uh, i don't last? know what does wikipedia say uh i'll have to look probably i'm gonna bet a year or less okay i'll have to look that up um now who else was on the team let's see uh the next one is mongrel oh god really what he, he's the one that i said was really stupid yeah he really needed to not make it onto the team he made it on the team <sighs> uh sparks sparks was cool she debuted in superboy comics Okay. Or, or sorry, the the Superman title that had been taken over by Superboy at the time during yeah. the reign of Adventures and Adventures of Superman. Yeah. Okay. And she was unique in that all these other guys were victims who had superpowers thrust upon them. Okay. She comes from a family that like the Medigene ran in their family. Oh. And everyone else in her family had superpowers, but never decided to become a superhero or a supervillain, apparently. Because we never see them. In it can comics. it can happen. Yeah, you don't have to become a hero. hero yeah, or just a some somewhere out in middle America. Because she does come from the country. Says so she's from Canada. Oh, Canada. Okay, middle Can- the Mid- prairies. Then okay. To, to well, I'm, I'm sorry. There's so few Canadian heroes. To I'm going to enjoy to, that. Yeah. Even if she sucks. She's yeah, Canadian. but but still, to the average comic book writer who's living in New yeah. York or something. Yeah. Canada and middle America pretty kind much of- amounts to bumfuck nowhere. <laughs> okay. Either way. You could be living in Toronto, and it'd still be... She, I grew up on a farm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, anyway, her, she lives on a whole uh, on a plantation full of superheroes, of, of meta, meta-humans. But she was the runt of the litter because she was the only one whose gene hadn't activated. And so she actively sought out these aliens to get them to attack her. Oh. So that she could get her powers. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so I, Sparks is a cool name. She had basic electricity powers, which, uh, we've seen before elsewhere, but I don't know. It, it, Black Lightning was never really like a, 
huge seller. So no, that's really all they had too. So she was cool, and then she later went on to reappear in Superboy and the Ravers. She was one of the Ravers because she always kind of stuck around a little bit as a Superboy uh, okay. supporting character as one of the other. So she actually got to appear again. Yeah. And not she's not dead. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not sure if Superboy and the Ravers was before or after Blood Pack, but I want to say after. So she might have been one of the only characters to survive Blood Pack. Okay. Books, a lot of them survived, but then they died later. Yeah, and then Razor Sharp. Yep. Was part of a group already. Like when she got her powers, uh, she she and another guy both got their powers and became part of like a covert espionage. Force okay, and he... called the Cyber Rats. Which, oh, exciting! Oh, that's very nice. It's better. It's better when you see the spelling. I mean, Cyber Rats would have been '90s enough, but instead of it's not actually not Cyber. It's P S Y B A. What Cyber Rat? That's Rats. horrible. Yeah. Yes, oh, I know. Who cares? Um, <laughs> and they were like um, like an espionage hacker squad sort of thing. Of course, but they, they had were. powers. Yeah. So, um, Razor Sharp had, was, I think, moonlighting. Like, she was doing, she didn't stop being on the Cyber Rats. Oh. And, but she was also being a full fight superhero. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like when Natasha Romanoff, or Romanova, or whatever she is. Yeah. Black Widow being on the Avengers in a very public venue. And she still does S.H.I.E.L.D. Ops. She does, yeah. You'd think, even before being with S.H.I.E.L.D., but any kind of super spy, yeah. if you if you treat it realistically in a James Bond or or a Born Legacy sort mm. of way, and even those are already not all that realistic. Yeah. But real spies, you know, concealing your identity is the meat and potatoes of spy work. Yeah. And Black Widow is a celebrity. Yes, she's so, been the leader of the Avengers. She's been a chairperson. She's out there. Yeah, and she doesn't even wear a mask. Nope. Her, her face is right out there. So, I yeah. think she she could really benefit from owning an image inducer, but I bet she doesn't. Nope. <laughs> Beast could give her one because that's proprietary technology or something. But Beast has made them for who? For people. He's given them to people, but not her. I don't think so. Hmm. He's used them himself. I mean, and you don't think Tony has something? Yeah, they could give her anything. Hell, Nick Fury probably has but, 18 things he could give yeah. her. But they don't. Nope. Anyway. Um, Never came up. Yeah. Or just a friggin' domino mask. Really, that's a... At least something, take. right? For your superhero persona, yeah. So it's the same conundrum with uh, Razor Sharp. Okay. She, she breaks into places and hacks computers and steals information. And during the day, she's... A superhero on a superhero TV show that shows you behind the scenes in the life of a superhero. So that's a conflict of interest if I've ever seen one. A little bit. You'd think the producers would notice that. Yeah. So I put this on my list, though, not because it was a perfect idea and it was handled perfectly, because obviously it had problems that led to it getting cancelled, but because it's a whole mess of original characters... Who, by and large, were pretty good ideas. Uh, Mongrel and Geist aside. Yeah. It, it's weird, though, because looking at the, who was on the team now, there were a lot of other cooler characters from other uh, annuals that didn't make the cut. And yeah. I don't quite know why. Hmm. Oh, well. Interesting. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I mean, a couple of them went on to get their own series. Argus, yeah. like I said, had his own mini series. Yes, he did. And uh, he formed a new version of the Hitman Blood Pack. Hitman was too. the other breakout character. Yeah, he was the big one. Yeah, Hitman li- outlived them all. <laughs> uh, but the other reason I put these guys number one on my list is that originally they were somebody's cool idea, pet project that got to see the light of day on a comic. Mm-hmm. They didn't get the popularity that they needed to keep their own comic going, but rather than keeping them in the wings and trying to relaunch them or reimagine them sometime and actually make them a success, they edged inevitably closer and closer onto the death list that I started out this podcast talking about. Yep, in a big way. Yeah, and they got killed not once but twice. Twice? Yeah, there was... Oh, that's right. There was two uh, sad endings to the blood pack. Which one was sadder? Oh, that's hard to say. Isn't that sad when like they had two horrible ends? You can't even decide which one's worse. Yeah, it's it's a toss up, really. The first one was uh, Infinite Crisis mm-hmm. during Superboy Prime's rampage through Metropolis. Can we call it what it really was? His tantrum. Well, he had two. Yeah, he went two through. Tantrums. He went through one against the Titans, in which he dismem- He killed Panther, decapitated yep. Panther, killed a baby wildebeest. Yep. Uh, froze Red Star, but I think Red Star got better. Uh, well, no, I think he ripped off his arm or something because he didn't no, he no, lose no, his no. arm. Risk. Oh, Risk lost the arm. Risk of one of the uh, right. Teen Titans relaunches. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so poor Risk lost and one arm. If you were a nineties Titan, you late- got fucked. Yeah. Poor Risk lost one arm in that battle, and then yeah. later went on. He turned evil, joined Deathstroke, yep. lost the other arm. <laughs> That's so brutal. Poor Risk. What did he, he used to be a hero. He used to be, he was blonde, he had good looks, he was good at everything. He had the <laughs> world, the world was his oyster. Oh man. Now he's a double amputee. Oh, that's upsetting. And evil, and all of his friends hate him. Oh man. Well, at least his continuity's wiped. Yeah, I guess. Because the Titans didn't happen anymore. Oh, so and I, well, okay, I I can't dwell on that sadness. I've got other sadness to dwell on. <laughs> okay, so that was Superboy Prime's first big tantrum. Okay, uh, he got sent to the through the Speed Force, I guess. Yep, and then came back out a couple of, an issue or two later. Yeah, and went found flew through what came to be called the Battle of Metropolis. Yeah, which was I guess the society's big move. Yes, it was them. All the supervillains decided to attack Metropolis. I don't think it had any strategic value. There was something. They were just angry. Yeah. So they were attacking everything, and all the superheroes had to hold off, hold them off. Yep. And then Superboy Prime f- ran through there being chased by the two Supermans. So as Superboy Prime was running through there, blasting everything, um, they needed some characters to kill. So he ripped uh, Charaxis, I think it was. Okay. Who was Killer Moth. Yeah. Yeah. He ripped him in half. And you think when you grab somebody's arms and pull in opposite directions, the arms would get dislocated, maybe even yank out of their sockets and rip off. Yeah. What you don't expect to happen is for the person to tear in two down their midline like a comic, like a cartoon character. Oh, man. I forgot about that. Like he was made out of paper, literally. Ugh. Anyway. um, I don't think you can explain that by him just being a bug. Nope. Either. That, uh, man, they did a lot of mean things to characters in that. Yeah, so Superman, Superboy Prime ripped him in half. And then uh, a panel or two later, you see uh, Superboy Prime getting attacked by none other than members of the Blood Pack. And Superboy Prime casually glances at them and melts them with his eyes. 
<laughs> they don't even get like a line in or anything. Oh my god. Um, maybe they do. I it's been a while since Is I it read worth it. It's probably not a good one. It's probably Ah I'm dying. <laughs> I like that uh you heard that was a loud sound effect, so whoever was listening is like, What the fuck? Oh sorry. Okay. I apologize. It's okay. You can see it's for the nice... sake of humor. Yeah, no, it's all good. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how many members died in that one panel. We can find out. Really? Oh. Well, not on the, that panel. I may have to grab the issue. You keep talking. I'll okay, grab yeah, go grab the issue. I'd like that. All right. Um, and especially because some of them did have some level of invulnerability, notably uh, ballistic. So he might have been able to plausibly survive that. But um, a little while later, in the Faces of Evil event, which was when uh, all the DC titles briefly had the, a portrait of one of their prominent villains being served as a cover, uh, they were building up the hype around Prometheus, who was a, a villain from Grant Morrison's JLA run. Prometheus had been introduced there, and been for a little while he was the hot new shit. Because he had managed to best the entire team with his bag of tricks and gizmos. Uh, notably, he outfought Batman by downloading uh, multiple martial arts masters into his head. And he, uh, let's see, what is it? He outthought Flash by tricking him. Uh, he bluffed him, essentially, telling him that there was explosives rigged around the watchtower. And one by one, he basically humiliated the whole Justice League. And then he came back again as part of uh, a version of the Injustice Gang, and he was still pretty badass there, too. Um, But after that, he started to suffer the villain decay, and uh, he got beaten pretty badly. Uh, He got a starro fish on his face at one point when he got beaten up by Wonder Girl. And nobody was taking him seriously anymore. And uh, who was it that wrote The Justice? Uh, Jim Kruger and Alex Ross. Yeah, that's where Roy Harper lost his arm? Oh, I mean Cry for Justice. Cry for Justice, yes. Yeah, that was James Robinson wrote it. Uh, I forget the artist. But yeah. Okay, so whether you liked that or hated it, before that happened, uh, the writers that Adam Chapman just mentioned uh, saw the need to build up uh, Prometheus as a villain and make him scary again. So they gave him his own one-shot in the Faces of Evil storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, just dedicated, it was just for the purposes of making him cool. So the first thing that they did was they uh, they corrected. They, they said that there was an imposter who had been running around wearing the Prometheus uh, outfit and using the name, uh, who, which explains away all the low, poor showings that Prometheus had suffered through. This is the same sort of tactic that Doctor Doom and Thanos use. Whenever there's a bad Doctor Doom th- showing or a lame Thanos showing, like when he got arrested by New York police officers... Or when he was riding around in a helicopter called the Thanos Copter. <laughs> That's amazing, by the way. Yeah, doesn't it have his name printed on the I side think, on it or I something? Think it, I think it did. Yeah. Um, so these are not actually Doctor Doom or Thanos, because Doctor Doom and Thanos are scary and imposing and near-perfect villains, and you don't want to denigrate them that way. So instead, uh, in Doctor Doom's case, they're robots, they're Doombots that believe they are Doom, and in Thanos, they are imperfect clones that... Thanos uses to do something nefarious, I'm sure. I'm not sure why he makes clones of himself. Because he can? You'd think that would just be um, like an insult to himself. I don't Cause, know. Because when he finds them, he tends to kill them. Because yeah. they're they're just uh, gone... giving him a bad name. Yeah, I guess that's true. Sorry, is this, uh, is this them? 
yes. They're not okay. even fighting Superboy Prime himself. They're fighting Grundy. Okay, yes. Yeah. So the, the Blood Pack, or some of them anyway, that's Geist and Ballistic. Okay. Are shown uh, fighting Solomon Grundy when a stray blast of heat vision from from uh, from Superboy Prime obliterates all of them. And you do see them reduced to skeleton. Even uh, even Ballistic, whose power is having armor, mm-hmm. is, re- is has been skeletonized. Isn't Grundy skeletonized too? Yeah, yeah. but Grundy comes like, back from uh, everything. Obviously he comes yeah. back. But I, this is actually more insulting than I thought it was because they're not even fighting the main guy. They're not even yeah. They're not even looking at the guy that kills them. They don't get a single word of dialogue. No, it's not if I like if I didn't know who they were and I didn't. Yeah, I didn't even know who they were. Like the now, guys. and this is interesting because one of them here is uh, Nightblade, I think it was. Okay, whose power is regeneration, like crazy Deadpool level regeneration. We don't know if they, they survive. He, I guess, he might survive from a skeleton, but if he doesn't, again, that's kind of insulting. If he doesn't, it is, yeah. Um, and Solomon Grundy's choking out somebody. It doesn't look familiar. I'm not sure who that's supposed to be. Oh no, that's Mongrel. Oh, that's Mongrel. That okay. must be Mongrel, because he's not wearing a costume. Okay, and now he's dead. <laughs> His costume is not wearing a costume. Yep. Uh, if Jack Knight can do it. Yeah, so that was insulting enough. But back to the Prometheus story. Yeah, sorry, my apologies. So the next time we see Blood Pack, uh, half the team, I guess, the other team, the half of the team that wasn't disintegrated by Superboy Prime, yep. uh, is shown tracking down some villain who, yeah, who they've been tracking for some time. And it looks... From the looks of them, they've also got uh, a couple of new members. Um, notably, I believe it was Anima, okay. who was another early 90s character, original character. Who would want to join a team? It's like, yeah, we lost most of our members that were killed by a stray optic blast. Someone uh, desperate. Yeah. Because she is also not okay. being in any books. Because she was also on the Live for One issue, Titans East. Oh my that god! Was, that really? was led by Cyborg. Yeah, and got killed by the Terror Titans or, or who was Death, that? Even? Deathstroke's Titans East. I don't even remember. A very forgettable uh, villain, to it be really sure. Tells you that, a lot. Doesn't that it? didn't need a one shot to build them up. No. This way, I think it was really more a way just to kill Power Boy. Oh, the Titans East. Yeah, of of that version of the Titans East or Cyborg's Titans or whatever you're going to call them. Yeah. Everybody got their asses handed to them, including Anima, who yeah. was on that version. Uh, except Power Boy, who actually got stabbed to death, oh, yeah. he was the only fatality from that. So the next time we see Anima after having handed her, having her ass handed to her in that issue, yeah. is showing up in this one next one shot oh, where okay. she's joined the Blood Pack, and also has her ass handed to her fatally this time oh. by Prometheus. She's put out of her misery. Yeah, and that's sad too. She. She should have been on my list. She's also an honorable mention. Yeah, okay. The only reason she's not on my list is that I know I know that my dad happens to have her complete run, and it's waiting there to be read sometime, yep. but I haven't taken the time to actually read through it sometime. But it's just something I see from time to time when I'm looking through the back issues. Oh, okay. And it always kind of interests me. And I've read her wiki entry, and it looks like it, it's an interesting it's idea. Promising. So. Anyway, uh, so that pack. was the sad end of the blood pack. Was They were... Dealt a mortal blow by Superboy Prime and then finished off by Prometheus to make both of those characters look cooler. Yeah, but they they came back as Black Lanterns, didn't they? Did they? I, I did not see. I them. think I saw something about that uh, on their page. 
that during, during that the events of Blackest Night, all the slain members are reanimated as members of the Black Lantern Corps and head for Earth Prime to def- torment Superboy Prime. Oh. He destroys them by using the Black Rings, cycling through the power set of emotions, resulting in a burst of colored energy that destroys Black Lantern. Wow, so that actually adds a double meaning to when I said they were killed twice. Yeah, that's what I thought you meant. Super, oh, because so I, Super I saw Boy, this. Superboy Prime killed them. Yep. They came back as zombies, and he killed them again. Now, I like that somehow they were able to traverse realities and go to Earth Prime. That's, that's what this... Because yeah. he, he was stranded there. Yeah, that, that really makes you wonder about how powerful Necron and the Black Lantern was. Can come to our universe, essentially. If it's being powered by the Anti-Monitor, that kind of maybe gives makes you a little bit of sense. Yeah, because yeah. he could do it. He could jump realities that way. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, the, the better question is maybe why they bothered yeah. tracking down Superboy Prime. For revenge. To torment him. But, I mean... So it was because Superboy Prime left because he's not a native to this universe. No, but they wanted to get him. Oh, why why they I don't know. I mean, the the ultimate answer is because they thought it would sell it would make a good story for a comic to sell. Yeah. But if anyone I mean, cared, in continuity, like why didn't the Black Lanterns go to every reality in the ossuary? That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. I, or, or why, are, what, are there Black Lantern monitors? Hmm. Or what is it about the blood pack that makes them strong enough to reject the central programming and go to a different reality instead? Yeah. You know, <laughs> they hate Superboy Prime that much. Which I would too if you killed me and my team. Many occasions, like, you know, you killed them and then you kill them again. Yeah. They weren't done. He wasn't done. <sighs> it, so it, it really calls to mind his, what I think has become his catchphrase of, I am going to kill you to death. <laughs> yeah. He will. He will kill you to death. He did. And if you come back, he'll kill you again. <laughs> Send you back to sweet, sweet death. Well, that's the end of my list, and it ends with the blood pack, and and you being kind of sad and melancholy about it. Yeah, this is a <laughs> this is a weird podcast. It's, ending it's all of, all of these characters really, but more so because the blood pack had their own comic, and uh, I would also say Aztec maybe. Okay. It doesn't bother me as much with the Legion and with Supergirl and Spider Woman because they. They are still in some... There is still a Supergirl, there is still a Spider-Woman, and there is still a Legion in comics. Okay. But there is no Aztec and there is no Black Blood Pack anymore. Okay. And so it makes me sad because I imagine... This is all in my head, but in my, I imagine at some time there was a promising young comic writer mm-hmm. who was tasked with coming up with a new team of superheroes. Yeah. And like, we, we're putting you in charge of this. We want you to put your heart and soul into, the, into coming up with some cool superhero comics and make it work. Yeah. And he did his very best, I imagine. Probably on a tight deadline. Probably on a tight deadline, and in the case of the Blood Pack, using characters that he himself had not come up with. Yeah. He was given a cast of characters and said, make this work. Hmm. And he did his best, and nobody bought it, or or maybe some did, and just it didn't get the support that it deserved. No. But something happened, and the editors decided to pull the plug, and then... Years later, he's got to watch his creations, or, or the characters that he developed and grew, their personalities, watch them brutally cut down again and again and again and again. You thought it was bad to be the uh, the reader. Just imagine yeah, being the creator yeah, of Yeah, imagine team. these are your babies. Yeah, that's brutal. And that's one thing we actually, I think we forget sometimes, that someone created these characters and then... To just have them brutally murdered? Yeah, I mean, on one level, they they want your mo- their business, they want your money, they, so they try to make them as cool as possible. But on another level, they're, they're writers and artists trying to tell a story and 
yeah. make their their art. It's interesting too when you think about it is that each time they kill off a character, you're killing off intellectual property. I mean, yeah. you, like it's still around, it's still yours, but like it's not as viable because that character is dead, and comic fans are very stringent upon. Well, it's almost a way of saying that this intellectual property has a value of zero dollars. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Or and that's why I'm melancholy right now. So yeah, go ahead fair. with your number one and my number one. Cheer me up with it, please. My number one was originally it was a it was a twosome. It was another cop pair. But as I as we got to talking, I realized it wasn't just them. So I kind of included the entire Wally West supporting cast. Oh, because he had a large he had Chira and Morello were the cops that he worked with. Okay, you have his wife Linda, mm-hmm. who is nowhere to be found anymore because Wally himself is nowhere to be found. Uh, Iris, I miss the old old lady Iris and not this new. Younger version that we have, so I'm, I'm I'm missing a particular version of the character back before she got de-aged. Yeah, um, back when she was more of a like an Aunt May. She was still character. the Aunt character to Wally. Yeah, well, uh, she had kind of become Aunt May in age two. Yeah, because she had grown up and, and aged in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, Joan Garrick, because I mean I'm not including Jay because he's still around at least, but Joan isn't, and she was a nice like this whole extended family, the Flash family, I really enjoyed. Uh, Hunter Zolomon, um obviously mm. became Zoom, but he was also a really interesting character. And then once Final Crisis happened, we never saw him again. He got turned back into Hunter Zolomon by Reverse Kid Flash, which didn't Kid, make... Kid Zoom. Kid Zoom, sorry. I, yeah. That, that's the same thing. It's the same yeah. thing, yeah. Kid Zoom somehow tapped into his powers out of nowhere and was able, uh, and was able to regress his personal timeline to the point where he never became Zoom. Yeah, which, you know, I don't know if the Speed Force or the Negative Speed Force or yeah. whatever it was that Hunter Zolomon was top, tapped into to get his powers. Yeah. I don't know how that works exactly. Okay. But he was clearly able to teach his, his uh, inertia, as take him on as sort of an apprentice, if you will, right? It happened really quickly, though. Yeah, but so in any situation where you've got a master and an apprentice... You get sort of some intonation like that, sort of like Yoda and Luke Skywalker, yeah. Or in a martial arts film like in Kill Bill, you mm-hmm. got the the crazy old man with the giant hair, yep, and mustache, <laughs> and uh, and the bride. Even after they finish getting their lessons, yeah, you never expect Luke Skywalker to be able to turn around if he'd suddenly turned to the dark side for some reason, and just casually off Yoda, yeah, like. I've learned everything you have to teach. I'm now way better than you. Bzzah. Yeah. You'd think that if Kid Zoom attacked Zoom, Zoom would have been like, <laughs> you think you can step to me? Yeah. Not only that, he he did something that uh, Hunter himself had never done. Personally, like, regress someone's individual timeline. Yeah. Like, that had never happened. Like, why wouldn't you do that to Flash? Take away his powers. Like, you do anything. You could do that to anyone. You can make it someone into a baby. If you're just regressing their timeline, like, mm-hmm. how does that even work? How does it make sense? And it was just, I really like Zoom. And maybe he was a little overexposed, but then to just take him away in such a weird way. Uh, also in the supporting well, cast... Well, I, I think also uh, part of the reason why is that not long after... Barry. Yeah. Because uh, he was in Final Th- Crisis Thawne Barry came, came back. back. Yeah. So it makes sense that they, got, they kind of cleaned the decks, they but... Didn't, they didn't want two Zooms around the same way that they now pretty much don't have two flashes around yeah um i'm including um in my list of sad i'm missing from his supporting cast max mercury he hasn't shown up and i don't know if we're gonna see another max mercury show up again and i really liked how what he brought to the the Mm. extended family especially what he did for impulse but uh he had a long history of working with uh with wally yeah uh also jesse quick we haven't seen her at all well she she migrated into jsa 
She did. Changed identities, became Liberty Bell. Liberty but Bell. I mean, after the New 52, she's gone. Yeah. She doesn't exist at all, at least so far. So she is still, she's completely forgotten now. If she was to show up anywhere, I bet it would be... Earth uh, 2? Yeah. Probably. That Earth 2 is, is more or less the JSA book. Yeah. And so, even though it would require some reimagining, because the characters are younger now, and it's modern time instead of... Yeah. There's, there's no legacy I to don't it. know if they'd bother making her, or actually just making her parents. Yeah, it would just be Liberty Bell. So, we wouldn't actually get a super fast... And Johnny Quick. Yeah. yeah and they wouldn't bother with Johnny Quick, because they already have Jake Eric. Yeah. So, unlikely to see those characters, and basically their idea in the New 52 is that that legacy doesn't exist. There is yeah, no legacy. True. So I, I really liked Flash. Uh, I've read the entire run of Wally West. I remember... Did, did you mention his kids? I didn't. You don't like the kids. I never really liked the kids, but mm. I, I will include them because it is still upsetting that they're gone. Because it well, was if a, you include them, then I'll jump on your on the bandwagon with you and, and agree. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, you're right. The kids added something. Um, I think a lot of the writing with the kids wasn't living up to the potential. There's tons of potential with having a speedster for a father and the interesting relationship with his kids and the powers that they had. Uh, they didn't do anything with it. Yeah, I liked... There was only a few very brief moments where the kids kind of got to go off and do their own thing. Mm. Partly because the nature of their powers, I think, in uh, in any other given story, uh, superhero comic with young characters, yeah. like the Power Pack, for example, yep. they can get... Taken off, whisked off on some adventure, and they're fighting a supervillain or something. And the hero, the parent hero, uh, like Mister Fantastic or what have you, or Thing. Yeah. It's it's a journey for him to get to them and find out what happened and rescue them from the villains, right? Yeah. Whereas with Flash, <laughs> they're never more than a second away. That's true. He, he they can't get lost. They can't. Yeah. They did some interesting stuff with Iris too, because they made her into Impulse in the Flash Rebirth. So they were, they were moving into something. Like mm-hmm. And then we never saw her again. Uh, that that did make me sad, the direction that that went, though. That the sister gets powers yeah. and gets to be a superhero and be, be impulse. And the brother is depowered. gets depowered. That's so... Un- like, if I was that well, brother... They're both, that supposed, would... they're both supposed to have powers. They're supposed to be the Tornado Twins, aren't they? Or is that Dawn and... Uh, are you thinking in the future? Yeah. Like, like Kingdom Come future? No. They're both supposed to have powers because of Kingdom Come. They both had powers... Wally wanted the son to follow in his footsteps, yeah. and he was a lazy layabout and didn't want to be a superhero. Iris wanted to be a superhero, but Wally was overprotective of her and didn't want her, wanted her to stay at home. You know what? I'm actually thinking of Barry's children. Yeah, that's that because they're the Tornado Twins. Yeah, but they're but Wally's kids were both still supposed to have powers. Yeah. Too. So I mean, so I I mean I, I guess the fact that I missed this entire supporting cast is also a commentary on the fact that I miss Wally. Um, he's not, I mean, I didn't include him in this because he's not an original character by any stretch. He's not an stretch. original, no, because he was basically just a young version of Barry. Flash. Yeah. Was, and then he, they brought him in a lot of interesting ideas, but his supporting cast really added a lot to his world. Um, especially under Jeff Johns, who really understood how to make Wally work as a human being. Because when Mark Wade was writing it, and even before him, uh, there was a lot uh, more of the emphasis was on the high concept stories, a lot of time travel, a lot of reality switching uh, but Jeff Johns made it about who is Wally as a human being mm. and really zeroing in on what, you know, his feelings of, you know, taking over for his mentor, uh, in this lifelong journey that he was on and then being able to settle down, have a family. Uh, and it, I really was drawn to this world that he helped build, um, having Wally work with the cops. And so the cops were well-developed as characters on their own. Yeah. Um, 
it was just was you know there was not a wasted character in that book. Yeah, ch- the, the buddy cop dynamic it was really fun. Was some, it was fun, and it's not something that I had ever paid attention to before. Uh, Flash. I, in fact, as you know, I mo- I I don't pay a lot of attention to the supporting cast of any book really. Mm. But Flash was one that I uh, remember appreciating, partly because it was a a mix of normal humans and uh, and people with powers. Yeah. Because of the, well, I can't remember. Sometimes he had a public identity, and most of the time he had a public For identity. For most of the time, up until issue two hundred of his own book, he had a public identity. Yeah. So that's two hundred issues of where everyone knew who he was. And that's maybe what kept my attention was that most superheroes. When they take off their costume and they go into their civilian identity, you can expect several pages of soap opera, at best, is the most exciting stuff that happens, really. Yeah, yeah. Like, most people, most superheroes have civilian identities that are calm and relaxing, and it's, it's what they do to hide from their superhero life. Not many of them go home and then are James Bond in their home life. Yeah. Instead of being Captain America. Like, Captain America kind of... Lives the do the life yeah, all the time. He's kinda, as, as, yeah, they've unmasked him so that he he's always Steve Rogers. Yeah, so Steve Rogers has as exciting a life as Captain America. Same does. thing with Iron Man. Yeah, he goes home and he's a playboy. Inventor. His life might even be better. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but most of the characters kind of follow the Spider-Man model, yeah, where when you true. go home, it's to hide from your enemies and to protect your loved ones. Yeah, and so your home life is. It can be exciting if you like soap opera drama stuff. Like there's love interests come into it. Uh, yeah. Your family members get sick or they yeah. need money or well, stuff. The secret, yeah, the but, identity trope is the most classic in comics. Yeah, but Wally West, it balanced it so nicely because he could go home and get advice like anyone would need from a mentor character like Max Mercury or Jay Garrick. Yeah. But they're a mentor character not because he's his wise old uncle or something. It's his mentor character because he is also a superhero who's done it longer than Wally has and has yeah. the, more or less the same powers. Yeah. That's very true. Um, and even when they did put that genie back in the bottle for Wally and made his identity non-public again, it was it was still serving story. It was the idea that like that's when Zoom came about and he lost his, his children. Like mm. There was a huge impact and there's a reason why he did this. And I gotta say, even though his identity was now a secret, they didn't suddenly make it a soap opera like you had one part where they thought they they introduced a certain level of intrigue that you didn't get before because he had been public like Wally West was was arrested and suspected of murdering a character or of attempted murder uh, to um, uh, Zoom's wife and, mm. and he had no way of really proving and he knew that the cops really well because he still remembered when he had, had his identity public but now no one remembered that anymore so it was an interesting give and take, but they didn't descend into the Spider-Man era of soap operas because he was still married and still had all his friends still knew who he was. Well, not right away, but shortly thereafter. So they still kind of kept it up. It just wasn't as public. Hmm. Uh, but all the heroes still knew who he was. He basically ran around to the DCU taking off his mask so that people would remember who he was. I wish I was making that up, but that really <laughs> happened. You know, because once they saw his face, then they remembered everything that they'd been through together. That's the same clause that Spider-Man has. Yes. Huh. Flashed it first. The which makes me wonder. By the way, uh, maybe you'll have the answer to this. Okay. So when he when he got his secret identity back, yep. he got a job as a mechanic, yes, and that's he how he was supporting himself. Police mechanic. So yeah. before that, when he was full time superhero, did he get like a stipend from the city or something? Who who paid for his house? You know, it's hard to that's hard to answer because there was a time when he was very rich. 
because uh, of endorsement deals and stuff. Right. If, and no, and also he, I think he had a messaging service at one point. Uh, like he would run things to people. Really? Know? At one point, briefly. <laughs> uh, like he had a lot, of, and then he was working for the government. There were a lot of jobs that he did have. Uh, I know he went bankrupt a couple times, uh, but he generally always had kind of money, and then his wife was supporting him for the most part, I think. Uh, mm. But I think he probably did get money from the Justice League or somehow. They didn't really address it. It was just—it oh. was just his full-time job was you know, being I, a league member. It's, it's kind of a like a lot of stuff happens because you're a superhero, therefore you have an association with the Justice League, and therefore Batman, and therefore yeah. Bruce Wayne, Wayne Corp found, funds you, yeah. and they, that gets way overused. I think it does. It, it would have been nice to see that, like a professional superhero, Wally West. Just worked out an agreement with the United States government that, like, I'm going to be... I've got such a track record. I think there was something like that. Just give me, you know, 60K a year to live off of. Yeah. And that's that's sufficient. I think there was something like that. The Avengers have always been big on, like, they get checks. Like, they've been very public. uh, Like, in the comic, they've always been very forthright about, like, they got an okay salary. They got some hazard pay. Yeah. Uh, I, I would think just to live in an Avengers mansion, you should get more hazard pay because that place is always being invaded. Yeah, or and when you, I, I, someone should make a list of all the stuff that Batman funds, because he doesn't, he should have no money. Like Batman Incorporated, no, and not just in the Batman books, but I mean through the Justice League, all his buddies is like, oh yeah, you, you know, sorry to hear your car got blown up here. Have one of mine. Yeah, because, like the movies take a more realistic look at Batman. Yeah, the, the recent trilogy, and they show that. Even just funding just Batman operating alone in Gotham City, mm-hmm. there are employees of Wayne Corp that are going to pick up on that. Yeah. You know, that's a very real possibility. So when you're also funding the construction of satellites yep. and stuff, and I don't just mean the Justice League satellite, but the Brother Eye right. satellite yeah. was a network of satellites. Yeah. Like... It's not just, like, that's getting beyond just that people are going to notice missing money. Yeah. That's getting into, it's going to bankrupt the company. Yeah. Like, I know Wayne Tech does good work and they employ good people and stuff. But we're in an economic downturn. <laughs> At least <laughs> they're going to have trouble just like everybody else. As much as I'm not a big fan of some of the Batman Incorporated ideas, I do at least like the idea that he's at least public about it, so it makes more sense that, like... Yeah. Now, that being said, I mean, it's kind of like you're funding international terrorism in some ways, because, I mean, he's theoretically working with outside governments, yeah. but he is tampering with police agents in other countries. True. Uh, to certain degrees. But, I mean, at least it's above board, and everyone kind of knows that he's involved with it. It's kind of like when no one ever wondered about Tony Stark, because at the end of the day, it was for his bodyguard. So he could do anything he needed for Iron Man-related things, because he's Tony Stark, who's... Now he is Iron Man, everyone knows. But yeah. for many years, no one knew. Yeah. It was his bodyguard, and it made more sense. But whereas with Batman, there was no connection between the two. So yeah, you'd have to explain where your millions of dollars are going. Mm-hmm. And you, you couldn't. Whereas, at least with Tony, everyone, he had a very public association with the Avengers. Yeah. It's, it's a problem that... I've seen it mentioned mostly in science fiction. That it's, it's sometimes been said that science fiction writers, especially for TV and movies, have no sense of scale... Hmm. And they will use terms like galaxy and solar system interchangeably. Oh. And, like, well, even in comics, too. They'll say, you know, in one comic, the Shi'ar are an interstellar empire, which is conceivable in a Star Trek sense. Yeah. That, 
you know, you could have light drives going from solar system to solar system, and they've got a, let's say, under a hundred planets in within their empire. That's a pretty sizable empire, a hundred okay. planets, right? Yeah. But then in the next issue, they'll call it an intergalactic empire, and all of a sudden that takes it to crazy levels. They have to have, like, the Celestials are about the only race in comics that I could believe being an intergalactic empire. Yeah. When If you've ever taken an astronomy course and understand even the slightest concept of how big a distance intergalactic travel is. Hmm. So stuff like that bugs me, but you can usually kind of write it off and just say, well, the writers are idiots and they don't understand science. So, yeah. But it's the same sort of thing uh, when money comes up sometimes. Yeah. Most comic book writers, I'm going to venture a guess, will never make their first million. No. <laughs> right? Yeah. They're never going to play around with millions and billions no. of dollars. So even when you say that Bruce Wayne is a billionaire playboy, the sort of money they have him throw around casually in yeah. comics makes it puts Donald Trump to shame. Like Donald yeah. Trump is uh, and Richard Branson are more conservative with the way they spend money yeah. than Bruce Wayne will ever be. It's true. No, that's very true. So that was my pick. It was uh, basically the Wild so, West okay, extended this is, family. This is the first podcast I've done here. So how do we wrap this up? Um, we sing a little song. We don't. We don't really have is there a, an end credits. There is no formalized end credits yet. I well, usually, maybe you should get one. Well, thank you. Do you have, a, you have any singing abilities? I don't actually want you to say anything. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> you you um, can see I was taking a deep breath there. Yeah, I can see. They can't see, but I can see that. Uh, so this was episode number thirty-two. Um, thank you for joining us for Comic Shenanigans. Obviously, I'm Adam Chapman. I'm with my guest. Bennett Riley, vote for me if you want me to come back for future episodes. Yeah, so you can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Uh, any feedback, we're happy to uh, receive it, and we hope to have a listener feedback episode sometime in the future. We're also on Facebook now as well, so you can also like us on Facebook. And to plug my own stuff one more time, if you happen to have a profile on hcrealms.com, the Heroclix community, come by the play-by-post form sometime, and you'll see right at the top of the sticky thread called the RPSC, the Role-Playing Strategy Campaign, or Social Club if you're me. <laughs> and uh, I am the editor of the Marvel side. My good friend Jack of Hearts is the editor of the DC side. And we're always looking for new players or, or good writers who have some ideas they want to tell. So come uh, send us a private message or just leave a post in the main thread, and we'll look at uh, try to get you to join our group. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Ben, and thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.